Yes, I'm ready. Good, because we're now recording. We're now recording. <laughs> how, you, how you doing? I'm okay. Let me put my game face on here. Let me adjust from the regular uh, slow tired to the happy podcaster persona. <laughs> I once met a TV personality, and he was really animated and... and uh, um energetic when he was doing his tv commentary <coughs> but in real life he was like hey how's it going yeah good to meet you yeah thanks yeah, for, man, yeah. thanks for being a fan and then when the when the red light went on it's like oh yeah and i thought well i guess you can't be uh you can't be on all the time well it just goes to show you how fake tv is right but he was a sports uh, commentator, and so he would have he would trying to bring a bit of energy and excitement to the sport. It was a cycling. He 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 uh, commentated. He's commentated like the Tour de France and uh, local bike races, you mean stuff like that. France, Tour de France, France. You mean France? Remember Tour those commercials? De, and he would famously say Tour de France. Oh yeah, it's kind of his <laughs> trademark. The Tour de France. See, that's incorrect in French because the D-E-S is plural. So it is D-E, de, uh, meaning singular France. So, yeah. so it's even funnier. And he knew it was wrong. Of course. Because <laughs> everybody just... over there sent to the France. Right. Little fromage, un peu de vin. I learned the, the soleil. I learned the French uh, words for lots of food items. On my LDS mission in Canada, where well, and, everything is both French and Yeah, English. in Canada, it's uh, both. Yeah. In fact, on my mission, I had a lot of uh, companions that were French-speaking because... From... Yes, I did Quebec. go on a mission to, the Fr- to a French-speaking land, and uh, we had uh, plenty of kids from uh, Alberta, a Mormon hotbed... Cardston, Lethbridge, but nobody in Edmonton, Alberta speaks Canada. French natively. But they have their uh, immersion program, so these kids had right. a leg up in French, and so they sent them all over. I even had a Canadian companion named Elder French. Well, he wasn't a companion, but Elder French, if you're out there, I forget your first name. <laughs> Check in on the comments section of the podcast. He's from Calgary area, I think. Right. Outside of basically uh, Mont- uh, Quebec, nobody really speaks French. Other than On purpose, that, yeah. That it's a requirement. They have some. Take uh, it in school. They have some uh, funny Canadian Frenchisms where they've anglicized certain things. Like uh, they just kind of make up the. They turn it. They put it into French as they go along. So you know, check a break. Something you know. Neither one of those are French words, but you get the point. <clears throat> but these kids from uh, Alberta were a little weird. I don't know, just commentary from sure. many, many decades later from an American. Well, it's... There, uh, some really cool, but there was some funny stuff. It's Monday, February 7th, 
2022 and why are we talking about canadia the the end of the world is still somewhere out there it hasn't it is nine. happened hasn't happened yet although i think we're tumbling closer and closer. hurtling hurtling is the word they uh the I, I guess we'll we'll get into some of the details here but yeah it's uh monday february 7th this is the mind virus podcast you know that because you clicked on this and you are deliberately listening and taking notes and of your own free will and choice <laughs> and uh participating willfully although if we don't start getting a bigger audience we're going to start mandating that you listen to us <laughs> if you don't then you will not be able to go to Go to work, the supermarket, the supermarket, or to a college basketball game near you. Hmm. Seems kind of heavy-handed there, Bobby Flood. It's for the greater good. Okay. And it helps me feel better. Okay. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, find us on the web at mindvirus.show. And, uh, of course, our recent pleas that you comment and start up a conversation have apparently fallen on deaf ears yeah although dr nick i think did make mention of something recently yeah i think he was saying he's our most he would recent loyal i think he was saying something about doing us doing a a harry potter breakdown and i was thinking about that and 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 wondering how would we actually handle that because there are set set six books seven books six books and seven movies right yeah. Don't don't get me off on a Harry Potter tangent. Harry Potter is excellent. I've mentioned how the uh, Avengers, a series of 20 some odd movies and counting is an inversion of the the age old narrative of the hero's journey and the and the war in the cosmos and the gods gods of light and darkness. I've I brought that up before. Harry Potter on the other hand is a very good allegory. And I'm not sure who collaborated with J.K. Rowling or what she knew or how she knew it. She kind of plays that down, if I understand it right, in um, some of the interviews she's done. Like people have asked about the symbolism and she said, I think, I thought the symbolism was obvious. And uh, she also has mentioned that she wrote all this down on a napkin, on napkins in a coffee shop or something. I... I'm not sure that that's, maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe it was the muses talking, but there's so much in it that is uh, clearly typed and, and symbolized and, and allegorical about the the Great War and the hero's journey that, uh, and, and eternal progression for that matter, that makes this, uh, I think, one of those things that's that's worth, you know, at least one episode, <laughs> maybe seven how many books are there? There's six, right? <laughs> there are seven. <laughs> I thought there's six books and seven movies. Nope, there are seven books and eight movies. Okay, all right. The seventh book is is right. split into two two movies. New, two movies. So Cause, you have because why make three hundred bajillion dollars when you can make six hundred bajillion exactly. dollars? <laughs> exactly. So uh, real real quickly here as a teaser. This is interesting because uh, in Britain, the the first book entitled The Sorcerer's Stone in the United States is called The Philosopher's Stone. Did you know that, Mr. Flood? I did. Okay. Then how come you didn't know there were seven books? I just, it's been a while. Brain brain fog. It's been a while. The 
idea of the philosopher's stone is very interesting. Uh, it, it revolves around, the whole story revolves around a, a stone, this, this MacGuffin, if you will, right? MacGuffin's a good movie term, isn't it? Most, a lot of movies have some sort of an object around which the plot revolves, and it almost doesn't matter what it is, right? Like the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> right. But in Harry Potter, number one, this philosopher's stone, as opposed to a sorcerer's stone, is really important. It's an it's a, uh, ultra-critical symbol. It's, it's not necessarily just your average MacGuffin. And let me tell you why. Well, it's because in the Harry Potter world, the idea is that if you possess this stone and you're, a good, and you're good at potions, so to speak, or, or I guess you don't even have to be good at potions. You have to be good at potions to make it, right? There are only these excellent potion masters were able to arrive Al- alchemists. at... Alchemists. Alchemists. That's the word, alchemists. Alchemy is an important term here for the discussion. We'll get to that in just a second. Anyway, these two excellent alchemists, Nicholas Flamel, who happens to be a real 14th century alchemist, and Albus Dumbledore discovered this substance or this thing called the Philosopher's Stone. And if you have it, using magical means, you're able to turn any base metal into gold and you're able to brew a potion called the Elixir of Life. So essentially, this stone gives whoever has it immortality and eternal life, right? And uh, we have plenty of allegories, or not allegories, but plenty of uh, metaphor in Scripture about the rock of our Redeemer, the rock upon which we are supposed to build, whose mission is to uh, bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of mankind, right? Moses chapter 1, verse 39. So, So here you have... Uh, an overt Christian symbol. Now, alchemy for the uninformed was essentially the esoteric Christians, those who were keeping keeping up the traditions of eternal progression. They were. Are we about to lose battery. Yeah, let's just let's. Well, just should we just bail out? Yeah. Okay, so hold that thought. You were saying, and we're back. <laughs> well, as is uh, standard procedure here on the Mind Virus Show, we start with a tangent of. The choosing of the universe. The universe chooses these tangents for some reason. <laughs> and I uh, d- didn't really prepare for this one, but uh, quickly on alchemy and Harry Potter. This is, <laughs> I'm just trying to illustrate for our listeners for when we do the Harry Potter episode, I guess, now that we're going to have to do it, how highly symbolic, highly typed, how, how uh, intentional this Harry Potter stuff was. So the, the Philosopher's Stone is ultra critical because it's an alchemical creation. It relates to Christ, right? The stone, the rock upon which we should build. And alchemy, of course, as I think was where I was, this is where I was headed just as we changed the batteries. Alchemy is essentially the movement of people under underground in late Catholicism. So this is like just right before the Renaissance or right at the start of the Renaissance, these right after the Inquisition and the, the, the dark Middle Ages, these great thinkers, these spiritualists, these seekers of truth and God, they had a, a mode of teaching in secret, symbolically, where they would teach about eternal progression. Because, see, that's one of the biggest 
elements that the evil entities who control this world, that's one of the biggest truths that they want suppressed is this idea that man, mankind, men and women, have divine heritage. They have a divine spark within them. They are divine. They're, they're just caught in a fallen world with the, uh, the world pulled over their eyes, to use the Matrix language, right? They're stuck in Plato's cave. They're stuck in the Matrix. And so if you, if you understand that you're uh, a divinity in embryo and that you have greater horizons ahead, then you might act differently. You might behave differently. If you understood that of all the people around you, you might behave differently, right? You, you might be less susceptible to the control mechanisms that <laughs> the, the rulers of this world want to impose upon you, right? So, so anyway, the alchemists were teaching this through this very simple idea that you could turn lead into gold that's it's it's a perfect analogy because who in this fallen world doesn't want to make a lot of gold and who who doesn't who isn't going to be fixated by and dis, and just completely you know if you if you if you run into some sort of alchemist's lab or some sort of alchemist writing you're like oh this is awesome you know they take it and steal it and and try to keep it for themselves the teaching and and think that they're going to use that to turn lead or some base metal into gold and get rich, right? They're not going to turn you into the Catholic Church. They're going to keep that for themselves. Even the Catholic Church is going to try to keep that secret. So, but, that, but the problem is it's a metaphor. It's about re- the refining of the soul into gold and silver. And, and there's even allusion to, to this in the book of Malachi, where the Lord says, I am a refiner's fire. I'll refine the sons of Levi like fuller's soap into... Uh, silver and gold, and and, uh, and I'm not quoting it exactly, but I, now I'm gonna have to find that reference to point it out that even in the Old Testament we have overt quote alchemical language. So, so the whole Harry Potter one is about alchemy, and of course, alchemy we think is the root of the term chemistry, right? It, it chem the word chemistry comes out of that, and we think that because our word for chemistry comes out of this movement, this alchemist movement, that somehow chemicals and all of that stuff relating to the physical world has some etymological root to to this idea of combining substances, right? But it doesn't. Chem, it means, uh, I believe it means black in Arabic, and uh, chem was the land of Egypt. So the alchemists were so named because their, their, their teachings came out of Egypt, had nothing to do with mixing substances. And so every time you think of chemistry, I hope you'll think of that. Another term that we need to look at is the philosopher here, the philosopher's stone, which was, uh, it, philosophy is a Greek word meaning philos, love, and sophia, wisdom. So love of wisdom is what these, this philosopher who has this alchemical stone, uh, he's a lover of wisdom and he's a seeker of the stone. This This is just, in-your-face imagery about eternal progression and the true gods, which includes a, you know, divine women and divine men. So anyway, that's what Harry Potter is. And of course, they have to go through seven levels of learning until he can finally destroy the Dark Lord. The ancient texts, of course, uh, allude to the... Well, openly state that there are seven levels in the heavens. Sometimes you see it with nine levels in the, in the celestial kingdom. If you're Mormon, that's the, the analogous language is celestial kingdom. 
So we teach in our correlated gospel doctrine that there are three degrees of glory in the celestial kingdom, three levels, and that the third level is divided into levels. And so, you know, this isn't, this isn't heresy for me to say that, that that equates with the seven levels or the nine levels of the alchemists. But you, generally it's seven, right, in the top kingdom. And, and of course, J.K. Rowling has seven books because, uh, after, to quote Joseph Smith, after you pass beyond the veil, it will be a great while before you learn, not earn, before you learn your exaltation. So Harry, he finds out, just like the alchemists were hoping, that he's a wizard. You're a wizard, Harry. Not just a regular schmuck. You've got something special. And you have to go to school to level up, to destroy the dark light. Oh my gosh, it's Harry Potter. It's a really good allegory. She does a really good job of writing the regular schmucks, the Dursleys. Yeah. Well, if you're going to act like the Dursleys, if you're going to be the Dursleys and act like the Dursleys, I mean, you can do that. Yeah. You can do that. You are, you are what you think in a lot of ways, right? So if you want to be destroyed and you want to ally with the evil ones, then it's your choice. And that's what you'll be. If you want to be divine, if you want to embrace your divine heritage, your parentage, and go to school and get out of here, it's kind of exciting. Anyway, that's, a, that's, a, that's an excellent tangent, but not what we were going to talk about today. <laughs> no. Thank you, doc, Dr. Nick, for, for taking us off track for a minute. And we, we should. Don't you think we should do a Harry Potter episode? I do. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Because if, if you read material. it, all, now that we've said that, all you got to do is go back and look at it for a minute because you've read it and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And we got to talk about Quidditch, of course, because the nonsensical soccer yeah. thing. Aerial soccer. Aerial soccer, hockey. whatever. Just a, the, it's just, it was just a lame. Until I recognized the symbolism that I, in that, I was like, oh, it's just a lame approximation for soccer because she's British. And then people get, her, get out there on the... They'll, they'll try to play Quidditch on the ground. Yeah, I've seen that. Which is funny, and I get that they're having fun with Harry Potter because they love Harry Potter, but guys, you have to be able to fly right. to do Quidditch. And you need a snitch that has sort of an artificial intelligence of its own. Well. Zipping around. It's got wings. Right. It, too, can fly. <laughs> well. And watch out for those bludgers. Those dark. What were we going to talk we about? We were going to talk about the uh, general state of the fallen world, which is really, really interesting. Oh, um, just that. <laughs> just that. We're caught in a war, clearly. And the, the episode today is going to be about the Sagebrush Rebellion in conjunction with the Canadian Freedom Convoy and the spontaneous freedom rallies that are popping up all over the world, which are not getting any press. You have to go to the alternate media, which means the non-corporate, non-FCC-approved broadcasters like, here's a good one, rebelnews.com. <laughs> See, I had to, they had to name it Rebel News, you know. Infowars is another one, infowars.com. But he, uh, Alex Jones has taken a lot of flack over the years, and so he kind of gets, you know, if you, if you mention him, it's sort of a... And, and net negative for a lot of people, but think of the name of his outfit that he's had for 20 years, Info Wars. That's what you're caught in, right? We, we named our show Mind Virus for a reason, uh, paying homage to the, the era in which it had its genesis and uh, get you thinking about what 
what the mind, how we, how readily we assimilate ideas and whether we should assimilate ideas, you know, and hopefully these freedom and truth ideas are like a virus that will spread independent of the corporate propaganda mechanisms and, and in opposition to captivity, death, loss of memory, mind destruction, and in favor of life and truth and freedom and goodness. I want to take this opportunity to let our listeners know that during these difficult times, our podcast is still on Spotify. And we thank you for your support during this difficult time that we're all going through. We're still on Spotify. So you bring that up because Spotify has recently folded, it looks like, right? Tell us more about that. Well, What's going on not there? Not really. They, the CEO of Spotify released a letter today, which is uh, Monday, February 7th. Um, kind of supporting Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, of course, has been the target of cancellation for many w- weeks now. It's been a bombardment, really, since he had Peter McCullough on and then Robert Malone. And uh, right, there's been a coordinated attack, not campaign, but an actual propaganda attack against right. Rogan, a, cor- a, a, a planned. A D-Day invasion, correlated, uh, coordinated, choreographed. Cor- correlated is a good word. <laughs> choreographed, professionally funded attack on Joe Rogan, and we could get into those details if we wanted to. But Spotify, up to this point, has said no. We're not going to censor him. We're not going to silence him. Something changed, uh, and and uh, part of that impetus for the change was that these old clips of Joe Rogan from years ago using the word that you cannot say, that you cannot say under any context. Starts with N and it sounds like Tigger. Voldemort. Oh, wait, no, we're not talking about Harry Potter. He who shall not be named. But let's... You can't read Mark Twain. You can't say say it in context. Anytime you say it, you are bad. You can't can't do period literature. Yeah, and I think it's really important to... And, and Joe, Rogan, Joe Rogan released a statement, and it was kind of a half apology, half explaining himself. And he looks just broken in the statement. It's a video, and well, they've got to him or something. I got so yeah. That's why I need mean, something changed because these, these clips have been out Does there he forever. Uh huh. These clips have been out there forever. You know, the, his show is is popular. This was known, and it was almost like a, something they had in their back pocket. But he wasn't out there calling people this thing, this word. He was using it. He was talking about the history of comedy and comedians that would use it in their routines. And he explains himself. He says, rather than always just saying the N word, I used the word because it's easier. And I was quoting people. And it's kind of ironic. Right now, I'm, I'm in the middle of a, reading a book. It's an older book called The Big Sky. And it's a mountain man novel. It's excellent. It's written by A.B. Guthrie Jr. It was written in maybe 1947 or so. And it's, that's the first book in a trilogy called the Big Sky Trilogy. The second book, which I haven't got to yet, won the Pulitzer Prize, and I think in 1950. These books, at least the first one, uses that word liberally all the time. And not in any derogatory way. 
It's, in fact, there are not even any black people in the in the book. The mountain men use it to call. They call each other that, and they call themselves that word. Why? I don't know. It it's just, just it's just slang. It's just slang, and and I don't know. And A. B. Guthrie's not around to explain himself. But nobody's trying to cancel him or Mark Twain, although they well, have they kind of are trying to cancel Mark they're Twain. They're trying to erase history. I mean, they're trying right. to change history. Right, and maybe A.B. Guthrie's on their list. Maybe he's not well-known enough. But that word is, is used, and uh, no one's trying to cancel him right now because he's not exposing the lying regime for the liars they are. Joe Rogan is helping expose the lying regime for the liars they are. And so they, they're, they're desperate. They, they couldn't get him for misinformation. And so now they're, they're trying to get him for racism, which is just silly and absurd. And of course, they're going after Spotify because that's who platforms him. Now, Joe Rogan could leave Spotify and start his own thing and, and probably wouldn't hurt his audience that much. You're raising your finger. I'm raising my finger because Newsflash, top story on Zero Hedge, Rumble CEO offers Joe Rogan $100 million to, quote, Make the world a better place. So here's this just in. This might just change the narrative. Just hours. And, 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 we, and, and listeners, we predicted this on the Mind Virus show in our predictions episode that there, this would be a year where the alternate tech mechanisms start to pop up and people are going to shift away from the, or they're going to try to shift away from the corporate uh, social media trap, right? That captivity and the alternate places like rumble or you know like parlor uh we we've seen getter rise up this year these these uh this is this is a this is a business opportunity for people because there's a huge segment maybe maybe 60 70 80 percent of the country is is starting to wake up and well, so there's a huge amount of real estate to be gathered up here this would be this would be huge for rumble not so much for joe rogan no but but this is a huge opportunity for entrepreneurs to 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 put out a basket and collect all the people that are falling out right. of the mainstream uh, apparatus, right? So we talked about that happening. And so here's, here's Rumble in action doing exactly what we're talking about. Here's the letter they sent to the Joe Rogan experience. Dear Joe, we stand with you, your guests, and your legion of fans in desire for real conversation. So we'd like to offer you 100 million reasons to make the world a better place. How about you bring your show shows to rumble both old and new with no censorship for a hundred million bucks over four years and this this is our chance to save the world see that okay because this is the thing people get it that the everybody that's not into the mass psychosis that that dr malone and and yes that is a legitimate academics field of study <laughs> everybody that's not into that they're saying the world needs, they're getting it. They're starting to see the world needs to be saved. And he says, this is our chance to save the world. And yes, comma, this is totally legit. <laughs> so it's a real offer, right? Right. And I'm sure that behind the scenes, they've reached out you yeah. know, to lawyers and whoever and make something like that happen. And I don't know that, that Rogan, I don't think he's going to voluntarily leave Spotify. And so far, Spotify has been pretty resilient. I mean, you remember a few weeks ago or months ago, Spotify employees walked out when they signed Rogan and when he had Alex Jones on. And, you know, they, they, well, they threw these little fits. 
they they have an exclusive contract, right? Like he's only supposed to put his content on Spotify in its entirety, right? But they uh, promised him no censorship, right? So if he's, I, I don't know, I don't know if I that think was that was what or not. that's what he said because he said what, he could say whatever he wanted because a lot oh, there were a few episodes that disappeared when the library was shifted over hmm. to Spotify, and Spotify is not an American company. I I don't maybe that's not relevant, but I think they're out of. Sweden, but uh, I I don't uh, like like you get into these the details of these contracts and things get sticky and I I'm certain I'm certain that there is a way that if Spotify wanted to weasel out they could and so far they've been fairly good about this this stuff now of course Spotify hosts music right that's mm-hmm. what that's where all their money you comes like, from like hip hop music that says yeah the n word yeah. And, and and talks about killing cops and all sorts of well, that, stuff. That's that's okay though, right? Because it's got music set to it. What what makes that okay, Bobby? Well, that's a really good question, and and it's a question I've seen asked a little bit here and there in this, because you know Joe Rogan himself said it's not that's not my word to use in any context. Well, people don't own words. Okay, nobody owns words, and, and it's a good question to ask. Why is it okay if if that word is so dehumanizing and derogatory, why is it that black people use it the way they do? And maybe that, you know, there's probably somebody out there saying, you're not even allowed to ask that question. But I'm asking it because if it's, a, if it's a bad, as bad a word as it is, yeah, why do they get to use it? They can use it with impunity. If you're black, you can say it. Yeah, why, is the, why, right? are, why are the terms on it set the way they are? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't we want that word to just disappear from our vernacular and our vocabulary altogether and just not be a word that anybody's using? Anyway, who knows, right? But we can't even use it. We can't even talk about the word. The, the word can't exist. Unless, of course, you own the word, and nobody owns words. So there, the, I was hoping, I'm hoping that this might spur a conversation, a, a larger conversation, but it won't because our society's not interested in conversations like this. I think, no, I think a lot of people are interested in truth and reality, but they're just not, they don't have a voice. So it's like whack-a-mole. Right, the, right. The, the oligarchy's playing whack-a-mole. We're sticking our heads up. It's parlor gets whacked. Rumble. I guess what I mean is, is hasn't been whacked yet. I guess what I mean to say is that because I do think Rogan's podcast proves that people are interested in long form, interesting, deeper conversations. What I'm what I mean is that society and the powers that be are not interested in letting us have that conversation on that topic. Well, they're not interested in because letting that, us have a lot of conversations. But it's that, not just that topic. That that. Word only has power to be derogatory or whatever if we assign it that and give it that power. You could easily, especially how far removed we are from from slavery and real societal segregation and lawful segregation, like the Jim Crow era, that, that word by now could mean nothing. It could mean nothing if we wanted it to, but we continue to give it power. We meaning that powers that be that profit and gain from race hustling and pretending that we're some kind of a society to quote a recent 
article built on segregation and discrimination. An article <laughs> in an interesting place for such a thing to be said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking hard. Now I think I remember which one it was. And uh, to say that for the listeners and not tell them what it is is, is I'll tell quite, you, quite a tease. Well, it, it was a little throwaway quote in a church news article. I'll just, and we can link to it. It's just interesting that. Well, uh, the problem is the, the, that the, the, it, it looks like in all in all of these institutions that are tied into the Wall Street money train, printing press, stock market, inflationary uh, wealth wealth machine. It seems like because see, you got your big corporations, right? If you ha- if you have a public corporation. What you need is everybody to be happy with you so your stock price will go, go, go up. Because that's kind of like printing money. If you can issue stock into an environment where, people are, where your stock is in high demand and the price just keeps going up and up, you, can, you get a lot of money. <laughs> that's the whole point of stock. Well, you get a lot of money without, without providing any goods or Without services. any service, yeah. Because that's, that's the whole issue with, with stock is that... Uh, you don't, it doesn't just all exist, right? That, for those of you that haven't thought about this, I know there's a, most of you on the, on the podcast probably get what I'm talking about, but for just the sake of explanation, you start out with an, init- an initial public offering. You offer to sell interest in your company or equity in your company for a certain price. So let's say you have 1,000 shares at $100, right? That's $100,000 worth of company. But then if the p- public decides that it's, it's really good stock, then they might drive the price of that up to $500. Now you have a $500,000 company without, it's just a, it's just a valuation for no, for no good reason other than that the people value, it seems to be that the last time it was traded, people thought your stock was worth $500. Well, and, it's a, and it's an illusory value. It's, it's not even so much that they value the company, it's that they think that the stock itself, which is completely... Nowadays, well, but nowadays it's disconnected from completely that. disconnected from from a company's financials. And people just think this is an opportunity where I can make some quick money buying and selling this stock. Regardless, right. like like look at the GameStop stock is a is a good example because GameStop as a company uh-huh. is, is failing. Right. If that were a private company and you were to try to sell that company, nobody would pay. The total market cap. Right. That, market cap is a term for if you take the the last uh, stock p- trade price. So if that's five hundred dollars and multiply that by all the stock, that's called your market cap. And so people think they talk in terms of the company being worth that, like Apple being a trillion dollar company or Microsoft. Right. We have a few trillion dollar two companies. trillion, I think now. Yeah, we have a few a few out there that are over the trillion dollar uh, threshold, and so. It's not like somebody's going to come out and pay a trillion dollars because the minute, uh, minute somebody were to try to buy up all the stock, the price would would jack way up to the uh, even way higher, but to the tra- stratosphere. But if you tried to sell that company through private means, there's no way that people could pay even close to a trillion dollars for Apple right. computers. Well, and even companies have never turned a profit or have these crazy valuations based on. Right. So, so the point is that you know, stock, pr- stock prices are speculative. Based on emotions. And, and in the minute, the minute the people decide that they want to shift their wealth from, the, from owning the stock to owning Federal Reserve notes or something else, then that creates a selling momentum, which drives the price down. So you have Apple 
who this market cap is over two trillion dollars apparently. I might be wrong on that. If I haven't they, looked for a while, but if they if 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 everybody at the same time decides, hey, I want to convert this to something else, like say something real or tangible, that price will come down fast. And so there's not a trillion dollars worth of wealth there. That's illusory wealth. But if you are the owners of the corporation and the market is good and you are uh you know, living in a in a happy fluffy bunny rabbit and flowers type of a world, you know, puppy dogs and and unicorns. If, if if you're living if you're living in that world and you you've had an initial public offering and people like your stock, then what you do is you issue more stock at those high prices and you try to issue it while keep while keeping the price high so more people buy it and then you you get that money and that's this is why insiders sell stock while while retail investors buy stock so the insiders know that, that they got to convert to tangible things via the mechanism of the federal reserve note and and they essentially are running a printing press you've got something you're going to say well i said like I was way off. Apple's market cap currently is two point eight trillion. So they're almost a three trillion dollar company. Yeah, and that's at a at a stock price of about one hundred seventy two dollars per share. Right. So they've been they've been steadily issuing more stock to keep their price down. If you don't issue any new stock, you end up like it's Berkshire Hathaway, right? Uh, Warren Buffett's company, where the stock price is like three hundred thousand dollars a share or something like that. Look that um, up for us. I'm not sure. I know like Amazon. Amazon, for Amazon, some reason, has never had a split. Yeah, Tesla is like over... But Tesla's had a, had a couple, at least one split where they split the stock yeah. price and multiply the shares. But, but Tesla's up to $914 a share, and their market cap is not even a trillion. They're yeah. not... They're, 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 Elon Musk they're is slumming it at a $900 billion... <laughs> Market cap. Well, they haven't had they haven't had as long to play the game as Apple Computers has. Microsoft's market cap is two point two six trillion. And which one did you want me to look up? Ber- Berkshire Hathaway. Not even sure if they're publicly traded. Oh yeah, they are. Their their current price four hundred and seventy four thousand dollars per share. Why well, must be looking at something else? Because this is three hundred fifteen dollars per share. Yeah, there are different derivatives. There's on a whole that. bunch of Berkshires. Yeah, if you look at the Berkshire Hathaway Inc. Class A stock, oh, yeah, I it's see at four hundred seventy-four thousand today. That's because they've never issued more. This is the Warren Buffett philosophy. It's like, hey, if you had bought a share of that, you own a house now. You know, if you'd bought a share of that forty years ago or whatever. And there were definitely and it's almost doubled over the last two years. Yeah. So on May twenty second, on May twenty, or let's go back. Let's see, April seventh, twenty twenty. So right after the big crash, right? It was uh, two hundred seventy nine thousand, and now it's four hundred seventy four thousand. Yeah, their so market is doubled. Their market cap seven hundred and four billion dollars. How do we get off on this? Well, owning a company, a publicly traded company, is like having a printing press, right? It matters what your stock price is. And uh, I brought, you brought up an article that referenced some quotes from... Society be, being built on discrimination. High-level church leaders. 
which yet, is which is false at its false. core. Okay, society's not built on discrimination, that, that's a, especially that's in the context not, that they're talking about. There, there, hap- there happens to be amongst these high-level financier types some sort of a need to to stay clean, to keep your nose clean with the people that control all this. Because if you if you if you get the narrative wrong, they crash your stock price, right? Or the or they'll attack you financially, and you lose the spoils of the secret combination. Remember what happened with the company called Peloton a couple of years ago? Peloton makes bikes. That's about all. They I make know. a stationary bike that has a built-in, you know, um, training programs and stuff. And they released an ad where the husband bought the Peloton bike for his wife, and they and were she loved it. They were large. They were they were widely criticized because it was the husband telling the wife she needs to get in better shape so she looks better, mm-hmm. which is just absurd. I mean, there was nothing in that ad that I thought it was a stupid ad, but not for that reason. And then, of mm-hmm. course, what happened? Their cra- their stock price plummeted, but it's obvious. But it's also come back up because what did the same people do? They bought it when it was low, after they dumped it, and then they. Mm-hmm bought it and then they pumped it and it went back up and I think now it's down again. And but, they're trying to sell the but, company or something. But you have people out there, you have people out there who make a living shorting stocks, betting against these companies and then engage in PR campaigns to crash the stocks and to crash those companies so they profit from their downfall. Right, they look at the herd like it, like all the companies are a herd of gazelles, and they look at one that is weak, that looks weak or lame or whatever, or crippled, and then they they try to separate it from the herd and eat it, <laughs> like alligators, like like animals, cheetahs, whatever. Like we're on the African savanna, and everybody's just a herd to be consumed. Well, anyway, that the the point is that that's that's kind of the way it works at the high levels. That's how, that it's the uh, getting back to Catherine Austin Fitz's uh, big expose at DylanReedAndCo.com, which we've linked to. Go back to episode eight if you want to find the the sources on this. She writes a an expose on the whole situation entitled "The Aristocracy of Stock Profits." It's it's sort of how the those people in the aristocracy, those people in the accepted ruling class, the oligarchy, and there's a lot of them. It's it's very nuanced, right? A lot of people, when you say conspiracy, they say you're crazy. They say, no, how how could so many people be bought into it? Well, not everybody know not everybody in it even understands they're in it, but the way they're controlled is a, a very subtle control mechanism which relates to wealth, the wealth of the world, which is mostly illusory and electronic and it's a confidence game it's a it's a propaganda game trying to keep the masses bought into it while they manipulate it at a very high level and front run all the big um all the big moves like we talked about in that overview of the of how the secret combination works episode 8 they front ran the prison system, the, the, by privatizing the prison system, they, they were running drugs, they front-run the war on drugs, and then the next thing that happened was it was the war on terror, and then all those people got enriched through their, their contracts and companies that they owned relating to the security state, 
And now what we're seeing is this war on coronavirus where they've been madly enriched, all of these companies that owned uh, healthcare-related or, or vaccine or virus or lab-related, medical-related companies. And of course, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is almost entire. I don't know if it's entirely, but it's massively invested in the medical security state and has been for the last 20 years or 10, 20, 15 years. And so they, those people, people who own those companies, just dramatically expanded their wealth in the last couple of years. And of course, it was all done through tax-exempt foundations <laughs> because they're philanthropists and they needed a tax-exempt mechanism to control the world. Anyway, it, it's, it's just, it, that's kind of a disheartening subject. People are starting to fight back. People are starting to fight back against the oligarchy in various ways. And so that's why we, we decided to, this week that the, the big thing on everybody that's not in the mass psychosis's mind is the Canadian Freedom Convoy. Is it not? I don't know. It's big news. It's big and, news. And depending on you, which if news you're you are unaware, follow, if, if you're unaware, it doesn't mean you have a psychosis. You may simply just be unaware. But well, and depending on which news sources you follow, it's either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. <laughs> it's either a bunch of Nazis planning to burn down the city or it's yeah, people, they're a bunch being of blue-collar ter- terrorists. Blue-collar guys. Yeah. You so blue-collar is the key here. Yeah, Go ahead. You, well, I was going to say that... the. the I sarcastically said the other day, I said something like, breaking news, the aristocracy hates the working class. Did you say this on Twitter? Uh, probably, four yeah. Peop- four people were like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, man. <laughs> you tell them. You tell them. <laughs> Retweet. But it's true, and that's why it's sarcastic. The same, let's remember that the same people that hid in their homes, and some of them still are, expected the, in their minds, the peasants, the peons, the dispens, the dispensables, the deplorables, to make sure society kept running, to make sure that somebody delivered their food, to make sure that their gas and heat and water and electricity and internet still stayed on, that uh, when they needed to, they could call somebody, even though we're supposed to be in lockdowns and we're all in this together, they could call someone to come fix their plumbing or deliver their Amazon package or sell them the RV that they bought because now they can work from anywhere and why not go on vacation or the boat or whatever. I remember uh, Angela Dunn, who we lampoon a lot on this show and deservedly so, she tweeted about her favorite her favorite food delivery services. And it's like it doesn't ever occur to her and people like her that there are people behind these delivery services, people that are, again, this was in the height of all the lockdowns and the scares, that people are forced to put their lives on the line so that people like her could do the right thing. And to stay at home and stay safe. Not to mention all of the things we don't even think about, you know, the, the, that, that, that keep a city up and running, right? Whether, whether the, the source of that, you know, whether it's 
good or not, or yeah, efficiently run or not. You've got stoplights that work. You've got plumbing and you've got uh, sewage. You've got I think all kinds of stuff. You you've were, got you were truck saying. drivers. You know, the grocery stores all got to stay open as long as you were big chain. But truck drivers, yeah, were delivering that those goods and things because they to were the essential, essential, essential to the lifestyle of the oligarchy. Right. So what you're saying is, they said, "Stop everything except everything that I need right. and want." And, and then and, what, and want was a definite part of it because we oh, saw yeah. them partying it up without their masks and and they were flouting the rules, having affairs, uh, gro- right. groping women. <laughs> well, and and do you really while they're locking people really in need, uh, nursing homes? Do you really need? To order takeout, or you can't just can't cook for yourself. Cook cook some food for yourself. Mrs. Well, that Mrs. would Cuomo doesn't cook. That would require me to go to the grocery store, and I need to stay home and stay safe. So I will order my groceries. Mrs. Cuomo's not your traditional Italian, some uh, Sicilian, some Guatemalan housewife. immigrant can go to the grocery store for me, and then bring my groceries to me, and they damn well better get the list right. I wanted the low fat yogurt. Not the regular, you jerk. <laughs> Go back and get the right one. <laughs> Spitting all over the mic, he says. <laughs> Were they wearing a mask when they spat that upon the, the immigrant? Of course not. not. But, nope. but my, and this is something that's really um, chapped my hide and stuck in my craw for, for the duration of this, is the, that immediately, and Angela Dunn even... <laughs> gave this TED talk to an empty room about how the pandemic was causing inequality. And it's like, no, you're- You're causing inequality. You're exaggerating this inequality. You're causing it because you're, you expect lower income people and people not privileged to hide in their homes and to work on their laptops to sustain your righteous living to do what you need them and want them to do so you can pretend that you're saving the world. The, yeah. people that, the people that saved the world were the people that kept it running. And most of those guys were like the truckers in Canada right mm-hmm. now. They were blue-collar guys. Right. They were in the service in- industry. And they are also a lot of young people trying to get their careers off the ground. People who work at restaurants, you know, w- waiters and waitresses. Is it just waiters now? Can you say waitress? Servers? Well, yeah, you can say well, you can say waiter as long as the woman says she's a man. Wait staff? No, the wait. If it, she was formerly, it was the woman formerly known as a waitress. She's now changed and identifies as a waiter. <laughs> okay, so you can say that. <laughs> but all of all of these people kept things up and running when they had when that when their establishments were open let's not forget that they shut down and chokeholded the choke well choke held those people right G- gave him a little bit of money gave him a little money said hey here's here's some of the the, the scraps from the table calm down for a little while and that that seemed to work like the first year of fear generally placated the people but now that we're over two years into this this is where the rubber meets the road is what you're describing, literally. Where the rubber meets the road, we're saying... At the Ottawa Parliament. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to take it anymore. These people are rising up saying, we're simply not going to take this anymore. And they are the majority. We are the majority. These, but these blue-class, blue-collar, blue lower-class lower people, blue-class, new word, they, uh, 
when the, when this uh, momentum starts to grow, that's that's when the government is either going to begin to engage in Tiananmen Square type of tactics, or they're going to have to relent. There was a great article you sent me by Jeffrey Tucker of the Brownstone Institute, I think. Yeah, where he's like, "Look, you guys need to just resign. Just give it up. Like, admit it and resign because this is not going to be pretty if you keep it up." Essentially, he's saying it, the the gig is up, the jig is up. The uh, the writing's on the wall. What are some other aphorisms we can throw Jeff, out there? And Jeffrey Tucker has been just spot on since since March 2020. We've quoted him a lot. Day one. Um, the guys from the Economic Institute, American Economic of the American Institute of Economic Research. Those guys have been great. The anti gateway guys have been great. Or uh, is it? It's not gateway. The uh, off guardian. Off guardian. The anti guardian guys. Right. Yeah, off guardian guys. There's been tons of people out there but, but that, that have from the start. Resigning is the least that these people could do. Well, they can't do that because they've they have cast the die. They they have right. uh, set in motion things that either result in their them being jailed or strung up like uh, Mussolini. Okay, because see that's what happens. This is why the World War II stuff is so important because we're going beyond politics here with the con- the convoy, and this this relates to the Sagebrush Rebellion. Let's 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 go back in time a little bit before we, we okay. kind of start to talk about all this the the possibilities. But the Sagebrush Rebellion is important because if you look this up or if you start to investigate the rancher. Uh, conflicts that have been going on in the West that have made some news in the last 10 years. If, if you look at Wikipedia, if you, if you just look at what the main, mainstream's saying, they're only telling you part of the story. They're saying that they're flouting regulations or they are, they're not paying their fees. They're, they're not being good stewards of the land. Who was on the land first? The BLM? Whose land was it first, Bobby? How how far back? How do you far back go? do we go? Right, but the the and point that's part is that, of the conflict. Right in the, in the in the middle of the nineteenth or the twentieth century, the government invented what we call the Bureau of Land Management to manage lands that the federal government wanted to manage. Who's who owns those lands? Does the federal government own them, or does the state own them? Technically, it's the state, right? No, BLM is federal. Yeah, but technically the state owns the land. The Bureau of Land Management manages the land. You see this legal technicality here? Sure. That's why there's been discussion in Utah about taking back the federal lands. Taking right. it Which back gets means- clouded into by, by uh, I think, insincere parties gets clouded and, and misrepresented into privatizing the land and immediately developing mm-hmm. it, right? Right. There, there's no... Just like so many things, there's no room for actual discussion in this in the press, and so it's either it, it, it you know when when Trump was elected. Well, let let's go back to right at the end of Obama's presidency. He he declared this massive. He created a massive national monument in Utah, usually just referred to as Bears Ears, right? Bears Ears National Monument, and he he. Now that that had been a topic of controversy for a long time and debate, and there were good faith actors on both sides of this debate. Basically, one saying it should be big, one saying it should be smaller, and they were going. There was some good faith negotiations that Obama just obliterated. He made it gigantic, and then when Trump was elected, 
he, um, he reversed that or tried to reverse it. I don't know that the boundaries were ever actually changed. But Patagonia, who is a clothing manufacturer, ran this ad campaign called The President Stole Your Land. It was just so disingenuous, meaning that somehow by changing the boundaries of land that was already public, is still public, and I'm using public in quotes, Mm -hmm. that somehow that land was stolen. (laughs) It was so stupid. It was such a dumb ad campaign, but it had tons of traction. And of course, Patagonia makes millions of dollars, you know, selling these uh, expensive international Chinese-created... Selling a feeling. ...goods. But my point being is that Nobody stole anything that politics are used. You know, Trump did it to spite Obama. Trump doesn't give a crap about Bears Ears any more than Obama does. Obama did it because it was one last outgoing middle finger to his political opponents. Meanwhile, on the ground, you know, it has real life consequences, has economic consequences, and it, it changes people's lives on both sides, whether it's a national monument or not. I've spent a lot of time down in in that area, and a lot of it doesn't need to be protected under national monument status, either because it's already protected or it's not worth protecting. It's just empty empty lands that, that have been used for grazing and other things for decades, and I'm not saying we should go pave it. Everyone's like, you just want to pave it. It's like, why would we pave something out in the middle of nowhere? Anyway, my point is that their politics are at the heart of all of this conflict. Usually politics played by people in Washington, D.C. who have no, no, absolutely no real idea of what life is like for the ranchers or for the people on the ground in these areas. And so, yes, there's been a... Worse uh, than that, they have an agenda to take that away. Of course, of course. So the, this Sagebrush Rebellion goes back into the 60s, even, the 1960s. Right. So let me give you a little bit of history on this. You, you had a situation. You got you to gotta go back. We got to go back to at least the colonies, right? The continent was populated mostly by the indigenous people, the American Indians, Native Americans, whatever you want to call them. And I have, they hate it when you say this, when you say you have friends, you know, but I do actually have Native American friends or American Indian friends who are like, no, we like the term Indian. Russell Means, the great Indian activist uh, who was famous for his role in, uh, as the father in The Last of the Mohicans movie, which is a great movie, I thought. He likes the term American Indian. We've brought that up before. Because he's like, we're all Americans. We're all Native Americans. If, we, if you were born here, you're a Native American. Come on. I mean, he's right. Come on. He's totally right. Right. He's like, so that's, so I don't want to get lumped in with all of you guys. <laughs> if you call me a Native American. Anyway, uh, yeah, they, they were on the land first and the settlers come and they start to settle the land. They bring their Western philosophy of owning the land to the land. Remember the song from Pocahontas? You think you own whichever land you land on. Good propaganda, and that and that's partly because of a difference of lifestyle. Whereas the oh, it's a super the Amer- super different American culture. Indians were nomadic, they tribal. Followed, they followed bu- buffalo herds. They usually had winter areas where they would they would build winter lodges and spend winters there, where it was more mild. They had a tribal culture, tribal culture, which was not 
which was not based on on peace and love and getting along. There was there were warfaring tribes. They brutalized each other. They brutalized their own. It was a it was a rough life. Yeah, and I don't think you're making a comment on whether it's good or bad or no, whatever. No, it's just what it was. They were called savages by the white people because the white people, uh, the the white northern, let's say northern European settlers, they weren't all necessarily white, mostly white, come over and they have a different uh, style of living and they have higher technology, right? right. They have, they have a uh, force multiplying technology and then through uh, sheer attrition you know there's so many people that came over and and the success of the lifestyle of the uh, settlers overwhelms the um, the indians and they killed a lot of indians they they definitely killed a lot of american oh, yeah. indians i'm not and, and the reason i bring that up about over centuries is that nowadays it's it's kind of this cliche or stereotype that the native americans the american indians were yeah. were peaceful the point is it's not they like weren't one, warfaring people. Yeah, it's not like one side is better than the other. The point the point is this is historically what happened. Let's not try let let's try to get the reality out there so we can have an intelligent discussion instead of a propaganda discussion, right? Like, oh, the Indians are great or no, the white men are great. Back in the back in the 1800s during the American Indian Wars, uh Andrew Jackson, right? It was we're great and they're not. They're savages, right? So we can't. Anytime you do that, you have uh, death and destruction, and nothing productive happens. You just kill a bunch of people, right? So the 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 settlers in the 19th century, there with uh, the early 1900s, about the time Joseph Smith and the the Mormon Church was starting to, to gain momentum. 1800s, excuse me. Yeah, 19th century, 1800s. They uh, everybody except for Joseph Smith, <laughs> was really into this whole, let's take all the land. You know, he wanted to integrate with the Indians. He saw them as the remnant of Israel. And so he was out teaching and settling in those lands uh, right, up into the, right up to the edge of what we called Indian Territory, which was in um, Independence, right there in, in Missouri. So they, they went to the edge of the, of the country at the time. But... Who who owns the land is a good question because in the in the old world, the idea that you had a deed and you you had this real estate property right was pretty well cemented in Europe and parts of Asia, et cetera. You still have some nomadic tribal people in Africa and in Asia and and places like that. And you still have that concept among the. American Indians. They had you had Crow lands, Sioux lands, you had Cree lands, right? Mm-hmm. And there was territory wars. If you were if you were a crow and you were on Blackfeet lands trying to kill Blackfeet buffalo, they would kill you. Right. And cut your hair off and hang it on their belt. Right. So it's a different uh, uh, one of the, one of the guys that uh, podcasted with us one time when you were gone, Rob. He's a big property rights guy, and he's like, it's all property rights. So even even with the tribal tribal people, there's still property rights, which is what you're describing. It just works a little differently, right? Who whoever is in control of the tribe controls the property, and gets to say what you do with the with that property. But but this is the this is the crux of the issue. See, so so the American settlers through ma- through the concept or the philosophy of manifest destiny, thought they had a right to the entire continent. And they took over the entire continent, for better or worse, whatever, whatever you think it is, that, that's what happened. And through a series of homestead acts, 
they allowed people to come out and claim parts of the West in order to settle the West. They wanted to settle the continent. They wanted to take it over. Brigham Young, the first thing he did when he got out into the Intermountain West was he sends out settlement parties into different areas to take over the land so they could so that the Mormons could lay claim to the land and th- there was a movement early on for the state of Deseret when he was still alive to have this huge state in the in the middle of the west that took in parts of Nevada and Arizona and New Mexico and Wyoming and Idaho even down into Mexico yeah and it it, it got it it got uh, narrowed down because they didn't want the Mormons to have that much power but that that's kind of the way it worked. So in the 1800s, the 19th century, the middle of the 1800s, it was uh, the first act was 1862. That opened up millions of acres where the federal government would recognize that you had a claim, a private property claim, to the land. And there was the, a problem though with it. Maybe you're getting to this. Well, go ahead. You were all, you were limited to 160 acres in the Homestead Act, right? Which is not actually that much. Well, especially not if you have desert land. Right. So if you're going to graze cattle, it's not a lot of land. You need a few thousand acres to graze cattle. Another thing is that not all the land got got claimed through that process. In the, in the territories where there's a lot of desert, like Nevada, Utah, it's, Wyoming, whatever, there's a lot of federal land that was sort of left over where the ranchers would move in. They'd graze their land on land that nobody had claimed. And well, they had to because you can't raise cattle on 160 acres. And this is where, especially in the more modern times, this is where the conflict starts to brew, right? Well, the, <clears throat> point, the point is the Bureau of Land Management did not exist until 1946, 20th century. Harry, Harry Truman, right after the war, that's when the Bureau of Land Management came about. And there were some other agencies like the General Land Office, which was created pursuant to the Homestead Act, and the Grazing Service, which was, I, I don't know much about that, but I assume that was to, to manage somewhat the, the disputes or the, the, the territories out there. But th- this is the Wild West, okay? This is, the, this is the Wild West, and the government didn't have its hands in all of this until much later. So these uh, issues, these conflicts... Are, are are much greater than just, oh, the, these guys like the Bundys are flouting the BLM. No, they were there before the BLM, and they were right. sold a bill of goods with the BLM. That the, the BLM was sold to the people as a good idea because it was going to help the land be better. And, and then after many decades, it became apparent, you know, so in the 60s and 70s, it became apparent that the Bureau of Land Management was not helping the ranchers, well, they weren't honoring, but working against them. They weren't, they weren't honoring... They weren't doing what they said they were going to do. They weren't honoring the grazing permits that these ranchers had bought. You know, in the 1934 Taylor Grazing Act created these grazing permits to try and, like you said, to kind of try to regulate and manage it and to prevent overgrazing and... So they, divided and, and, up the, so they divided up the pool. And nowadays... Nowadays, if you go and go and go on the internet and look for, you know, cattle ranches for sale, you'll see things like our ranch is 2,000 acres, but it has 10,000 deeded acres, meaning you can. Meaning they have the, the traditional have right to those. Grazing rights to those other acres. Acres, yeah. And the value, the, the value of these ranches is tied up in these grazing permits. In fact, uh, ranchers are taxed on 
the the perceived value of the grazing permit, whether they <laughs> whether they're grazing much, them or not, yeah, or whether that money is is real or not. So, and these grazing permits can be bought and sold, you know, and they're with the ranches as property right or property changes hands, and so there's a lot of controversy tied up, and and and. Combined with over the last 50 years, the federal government has issued fewer and fewer and fewer grazing permits, which makes them more and more expensive and makes it harder and harder for ranchers to make a living. They're slowly choking the lifeblood of America, the farmers and the ranchers, because they would love to have your food produced elsewhere so that you can't rise up and do anything. Right. There's a reason I think that Bill Gates has bought a lot of farmland recently yes and there's also a reason you know he owns significant stock going back to stocks he owns significant interests in fake meat companies you know like beyond meat which i don't want beyond meat i just want meat did you ever see the movie snowpiercer with uh chris evans who plays captain america that's the train movie right i haven't seen it okay it's an allegory about the the world Mm-hmm. And the people at the front of the train, the closer you get to the front, you get to the leaders, the hierarchy. Ed Harris plays a man who thinks himself to be God. Again, Christoph. He's like Christoph. <laughs> Amazingly enough, he's like Christoph in the Truman Show. So here he is playing um, the Demiurge. By the way, my favorite Ed Harris movie is the movie Enemy at the Gates with Jude Law. It's about the Battle of Stalingrad and a sniper battle. Just have to throw that out there because Ed Harris, I don't know, he, he's got two. We got his Truman Show role and his Snowpiercer role. So it looks like he's somehow. I thought you were going to say st- The Abyss. No, I, I haven't seen that one. He's good in that too. Well, I, have you seen uh, Enemy at the Gates? Uh-uh. Great World War II movie. Okay. It's worth it. Overwatch that it. one's worth your time, listeners. That's a good movie. and It's a, it's a, a little bit of a. Russian propaganda <laughs> on the Russian propaganda side of things, but it's, it's a good show. Uh, Ed Harris plays the German sniper in that. And he's, he's really good. He's, he's like an interesting guy. Like he's the perfect calm, collected evil villain, you know? Well, in Snowpiercer, he's the, the inventor of the machine the snow, the snow piercing train, and he's also at the head of the train. And at the back of the train are all the are, are all the plebes, all the the proletariat. The there's they're packed in back there, and they don't get hardly any food. And what the what they give them for food are these gelatinous bars, and a lot of them are missing limbs because they had had to eat their own flesh or whatever. And uh, there's a story there. I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but uh, I'll spo- I will spoil one thing. They find out that what they're eating is beyond meat. <laughs> this gelatinous food they're given from further up in the train. And it, every, every time I see the discussion about, you know, the veggie burgers or whatever, I, I keep thinking of Snowpiercer because, okay, I'm going to spoil it. They find out that they're eating insects. <laughs> And the and the oligarchy clearly has some sort of a propaganda move to try to make you all think that insects are good. Like they want, I don't know why. There was an article they recently want you about eating, insects, eat, but eating they, bugs. I don't know why they want us eating insects, but that's, I don't know if it's just to degrade us or whatever, but they clearly are trying to move towards eating insects for some reason. 
kind of makes me sick when we can I'm, eat other animals that we like, like that make hamburgers. <laughs> I'm trying to look up the ingredients for a Beyond. Let's see, a Beyond Burger. Let's see if we can look at the ingredients here. And, and while I'm looking that up, you know, one time I was fined more than $200 by the BLM. Why? For having a non-permitted event. On, on their property? The, the property they assume to be their property? <clears throat> yeah, on some public trails. How many people were at it? More than I anticipated. Maybe around 60 people showed up. It was a bike ride. Oh. And, uh, I and had you a, got fined? Yeah, because I was the, the only name they had attached to it. Because you posted something. Yeah, on the internet. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't need to go into all the details, but it was pretty cool though. Uh, I had a long conversation with them at the trailhead. Uh-huh. And they're, they had no, they, un, they admitted that they had no argument. They had no standing. And yet they continue to find, they find me and we went and the, and the, and the, the show, the, went, the show on. went on and the people who involved all So they showed in. up at the start of it? Yeah. Like, cause they saw that you were going to do it? Yeah. Somebody snitched. Somebody that didn't want us there snitched. I can give you offline. I can give you all the background, but okay. But this makes me mad. It made me mad. I'm sure it did. But people people pitched in, and and I, I didn't have to actually pay anything out of pocket, which was cool. But um, and then you went on your ride. And- I I explained to the people the the BLM agents. I said, look, I've because I, I had some notion that someone had snitched, and there might be. So I had some things prepared. But I said it would. Co- they once they wrote me the fine. I said, you know, it would this fine. It's cheaper and easier for me to pay this fine than it would be to get the permit, which takes weeks or if not months, and and could potentially be denied, among other things, and money. And I'm and they're like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, anyway, the BLM is not known for their their efficiency and their logic and their effective way of managing federal lands. In fact, huh. federal lands are notoriously and horribly managed. Here's the ingredients. Just like everything that the federal government does, by the way. Right. Here's the ingredients in a Beyond Burger right off of their website. Water, pea protein, expeller press canola oil, refined coconut oil, rice protein, natural flavors, dried yeast, cocoa butter, Methylcellulose, yeah. less than one percent of potato starch, salt, potassium chloride, beet juice color, apple extract, pomegranate concentrate, sunflower le- lecithin, vinegar, lemon juice concentrate, vitamins and minerals, pyridoxine, py- pyridoxine, pyride, pyride. Pyrid- is there, there a pyride in there? Pyride, p y r i d oxine. Okay. Hydrochloride, cyanosabalamin, calcium pentonate. <laughs> that was one word. That's what goes into your Beyond Burger. You know what goes into a burger? Meat. It's what's for dinner. Beef. <laughs> Especially if you buy good quality meat. Rodeo. Uh, Aaron Copeland. 
That's so American. Those those I know that's propaganda from the beef industry, but those were great commercials, where you've got yeah. uh, Copeland music and it's they're they're making you a barbecue or a burger. I mean, that makes me. We should stop right now and go get some food. Okay, we're done. But yeah, okay. <laughs> but just keep in mind, if you think you're eating a Beyond Burger to be healthy, look at those ingredients <laughs> because there's a whole bunch of things in there that I can't pronounce. And also look like they belong on the back of this. The zero sugar, zero Dr. sugar, Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Yep. But I'm not drinking that under the pretense of consuming something healthy. If you're a vegetarian, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You do you. But understand what you're eating, right? Vegetables. And a bunch of chemicals and things that no one can pronounce. Well, if I'm a vegetarian, I'm not eating that uh, Beyond Beef burger. Avoid but, the but, very appearance of evil. What are you talking right, about? That's the other. I'm gonna have a celery stick. Look at look at. It reminds me of a, a thing I saw recently. If I'm gonna be a vegetarian, I'm getting the health benefits. Some vegan eggs, and and it showed a recipe of how to make these vegan eggs, and it was like thirty items. Okay, so this is a problem I have with this health. These some of these health crazes like keto and stuff. It's like, look, you're going on a diet to lose weight don't worry about eating the good stuff. Get, get down to your weight and then have a party, okay? And, and make sure to exercise that off the next day because like, if, if you feel like you need good, you know, the good tasting food and stuff like that, that's the problem is you're too into that food. <laughs> you need to stop that for a while. Shift your, shift your mechanisms. You don't need the keto treats. You don't yeah. need... The lo- the loaf. See, see real, Bobby, look, eat, I don't eat. know why you're doing the zero sugar stuff here. That's not good for you. That's got aspartame in it. Do the sugar and then ride your bike an extra mile. All right. I often it's think better that for your body. It, instead of saying like calories, you know, they have calories on the back of packages, like calories, 200. Instead of that, it should be minutes of exercise yeah. needed to burn that off. Yeah. Not 200 calories, but 40 minutes. So it should say 40 minutes of 40 intense minutes. exercise. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. No, if you're going to have if you're going to have some good some tasty food, then just burn it off. Right. Don't don't or, eat the crap. Don't eat the chemicals. That's you, probably what's helping you to stay fat. Sorry people. Or or just hear me out here. Or you can buy beyond meat and help Bill Gates and feel feel like you're more moral well, than everybody else. That's the thing with the Beyond Meat. That was their whole claim to fame. It's not that they were going to help you be healthy. It's that you're going to save the world by eating it. Right. And you can look down on all those meat eaters. But you could still have your meat and eat it too. One of the best shows on Netflix is Meat Eater, by the way. That, I think you've talked about him before. Yeah. Let's, let's make a note of that. <clears throat> tell tell so, us again. what well, he's, he's like a hunter? He's a hunter, but he also then, whatever he hunts... He goes and cooks and eats. So he's like uh, doing it right. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. Steven, Steve Vernella is the main guy behind that. I, I think he does a great job of, of explaining why people enjoy hunting and where food comes from. That's a big thing for him is like, where does our food come from? Even this Beyond Meat garbage, somebody's out there growing those vegetables and some alchemist is making those <laughs> myocarbocarbonite it ites or whatever. Oh yeah, it's probably worse. <laughs> yeah, but 
when you hunt, when you go out and you shoot a deer and then you take the deer home and you butcher it and you eat it, you know where that food comes from. Well, and part of, part of the problem is, you know, that plank of the communist manifesto where they try to uh, get everybody into suburbs where our lifestyles have the modern in the modern world we've we've got this uh cultural lifestyle where we want to live a certain way and and it really bothers me when i when i walk out into the neighborhoods and i see these new new neighborhoods and it's like oh curb and gutter we have to have a curb and gutter why do we have to have curb and gutter if you've ever been up to like holiday where the rich people live in in that little corner of uh 215 right big cottonwood canyon they don't have curb and gutter. They pay massive amounts of money to buy houses there, tear them down, and then put in a bigger house and not have curb and gutter because those neighborhoods got established well before the building codes or the subdivision codes. I don't know. Why does every... F- it looks terrible. I don't know. We could I'm have really never, cool yeah. streets with trees and you could walk around them. Or, or are there... How many wheelchairs... Is it because of the wheelchairs? I mean, I'm, I know there are people out there that have disabilities, but they could probably, in some of these neighborhoods, be on the road and cars would go around them. Because that's what, that's what happens with the cyclists, and that's what happens with the, the tricolists. What do you call the guys that have trikes? Tricolists? We just make fun of them. Oh. <laughs> I think <laughs> no, they're, they're called they're, tricolists. They're the <laughs> tricyclists. There's the recumbent bikes. Those sometimes have three wheels. Yeah, a lot of times. But sometimes they don't. So then they're just recumbent cyclists. And the joke there is that they all are old men with beards. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, I why do we have to do why do we have to do all the same everywhere? That's one of my pet peeves here with this whole thing. Getting back to the Bureau of Land Management. Okay, we digress. We're going to link to the Wikipedia stuff. You can go do your research on the Homestead Acts and the Bureau of Land Management. Yeah, another stuff. good resource for what they call free market environmentalism is the uh, is PERC P E R C dot org. That stands for. I need to look it up so I get it right. Property and Environment Research Center. Yeah, and they're out out of Bozeman, Montana, and I think they do a great job of talking about these issues in ways that still preserve property rights, liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they often propose different solutions to problems that are usually just solu- solved, quote unquote, solved with g- more government power, less individual power, more money, more taxes, all the normal federal, you know, uh, yeah, panaceas for it, all of these issues. It's interesting. You, you, you do need these local organizations because... It seems like the ones that are from the city, like the Sierra Club, is the Sierra Club like uh, right out of like downtown San Francisco or something? I mean, I think so. Because like, it seems like these so-called environmentalist movements, there, there are people in the city that don't live on the land. I know people that live on the land, and I think this is where the Sagebrush Rebellion comes from, is that like, like I know some people who ranch up in uh, Idaho, central Idaho, and the government reintroduced wolves. Like the, the, they've spent a lot of time killing wolves, okay? Why? Because the wolves eat their cattle, they, they destroy, they hurt them. And back in the day when it was kill or be killed, <laughs> they decided to kill the wolves. And um, 
now that they've been reintroduced, they're having some serious problems. You know, dogs, cats disappearing, animals disappearing, the 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 herds of elk and deer are disappearing, and the wolves are, are becoming a menace. And so these uh, groups of ranchers and landowners out there are ha- having a little bit of a struggle with the BLM because they need to, they need to kill the wolves. It's, it's, the kids kids are potentially at risk, you know, and the the locals what i'm 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 trying to point out that the locals the people who live on the land there have a va- dramatically vastly different opinion of what should happen than the, than these administrators who are far removed from the land and so that's that's essentially what happened when the blm starts is you have this new federal agency and then they start to overreach and they start to renege on agreements and they they make it worse for the people living on the land so the sagebrush brush rebellion starts up in the 50s and 60s and 70s and this is important because this is where the rubber meets the road and the reason that this relates to the the canadian convoy the freedom convoy is that it it had some momentum but the problem is these people are so sparsely out there, you know, scattered across the land that they haven't had a big effect. They're removed from the centers of power. They never went and occupied anything until the Bundys. So let's fast forward to the Bundys. The Bundys, they were out in Nevada, right? And they have if I forgive me if you're out there and, and I'm getting the story wrong, please correct us, post some links. But the way I remember it is that the Bundy Ranch standoff occurred because the Bundys had unpaid grazing fees. They basically said, screw you, federal government. You're not doing what you said you were going to do. In fact, you're making it worse for us. So why should we pay the fees? Right. And this was in Nevada. This, was, this predates what everyone thinks of when they think of this issue. And that, that's the Malheur, Malheur Wildlife Refuge. I'd say Maller. Maller. This predates that. This was in Nevada. This was with Clive Bundy. He, he has a ranch, and, and just to... 2014, there was an armed confrontation. That's Wikipedia. Right. I'm going to link to the Wikipedia <clears throat> stuff. I know that the Wikipedia stuff is They like cooked. to say stuff like armed confrontation, and that just means that the BLM people, they're cops, they were armed, and the ranchers were armed. It doesn't mean anybody was shot and killed, but they like to, they like to try and make that... That sounds really... They, they, make to, they like to try to imply that. Yeah. This is the problem with thinking we're a democracy here, rather than recognizing the rights of a minority. You have uh, a highly populated city area that decides to make a bunch of rules for the land that they don't live on, that they're not even trying to exploit, that they only want to visit in their Patagonian garb on Thursdays and Wednesdays and Sundays or whenever they want. They want it to look like a pristine wilderness, but they don't want to admit that that's where the real people are out working and providing for for them for us right right and and it's worse than that this this has to do with the destruction of america of course right to destroy the ethos of america where where the hard working gun toting bible clutching people are actually living flyovers yeah the flyovers they 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 need to choke that out so that the they can exploit in a colonial way other countries and then totally control the, the, the urban populations because all they have to do is cut off the food. Well, what you're going to have happen is these individuals, these families are going to get squeezed out of ranch ownership. And the value of these lands, especially right now, is It's high. already happening. Yeah. And, but the people who are buying them are going to be like 
these big hedge funds like BlackRock. And then what does BlackRock yeah, do? Or, or wealthy professionals who don't intend to ranch. They'll just right. retire and have a lot of land have to a buffer playground. them. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the Bundy 2014 Bundy standoff. And then, so fast forward a couple more years. Well, let's, let's, again, let's, let's fill in the blanks there, though, because the feds got to the point where they were rounding up the Bundy's cattle. They were going to steal their cattle because of the unpaid fees. They were going to take it, sell it, because, and pay because, the fees. Because Bundy was still grazing his cattle on the public land. See, his, his ranch was 160 acres, right? Probably, I think his goes back all the way to that Homestead Act. I don't know. I, I think I had read that at some point. But he had deeds or grazing permits, grazing rights to something like 150,000 acres, according to this uh, article here. And he was saying, I'm not paying these anymore. And he had had a long conflict with these grazing rights, these permits. And finally, he just said, I'm not going to pay it. But he's continued to graze his cattle on the public, supposedly public land. So yeah, that's why the feds got angry because he was doing something on public land that they didn't give him permission to do. Yeah, and they wanted the money. And, and he's like, you don't deserve the money. You broke the agreement. And so this, this is the crux of the problem is that the, the news media basically just gets to say, oh, uh, they flouted the BLM and they didn't pay their fees. They're domestic so, terrorists. Right. So everybody, everybody that's ever been to a national park and been forced to pay the fee goes, well, they, they, you can't not pay the fee. We all have to pay the fee. We all have to pay our fair share. And, and it doesn't matter what kind of crappy service we get. See, this is the problem with, with uh, income tax in, in Utah. or No, property tax, excuse me. I, I know a lot of people still send their kids to the public schools, but we give all kinds of money to the public school system, and it's crap, okay? Mostly, yeah. <laughs> There's tons of good teachers and a hell of a lot of waste in the administration. And look at all the big buildings that they build and then all the regulations they put in place and all the crap that goes on in the public schools. And, and you're paying tons for that. That's what most of your property tax goes for, thousands per year, even if you're not using it. And so whatever the federal government gets, they screw up. Whatever the, whatever the state government gets, they should... I mean, Utah's a little better than some other states, but it's still not good. It's not good for them to have this money. They need less money. They need less control. And we need to take matters into our own hands, especially on things like the education of our children. Okay, ending that rant, going back to the Bundy thing, they, uh, the feds are going to round up their cattle. So Bundy puts out the call. Thousands of patriots, it says here, uh, uh, 1,500. Thousands of people stream into the area, start riding their horses up, get, go past the, the blockades, and they start uh, in solidarity, pushing back against the the police, the federal police forces. There, they had snipers and counter snipers. They had, I mean, these guys had a serious standoff here, and it was armed, and and it was appropriately armed because on both sides, because, and I think this is what scared the federal government is that they're like, okay, these these country boys. They know what's up. They know how this is going. If we shoot them, they're going to shoot us. It's not just going to be like the, the roadblock uh, that got Lavoie Finnicum killed. You know, this is going to be a, a serious problem. You said roadblock. I think you meant to say ambush. Ambush. <laughs> well, it, it was an ambush. Anyway, uh, this, a lot of uh, historians would say this emboldened in a negative way 
the ranchers. And it did, and it rightly should have, because the thing that every red-blooded American boy or girl out there needs to know is that when we rise up as a group, like in the movie Bugs Life or Ants, (laughs) and realize we're more numerous than the grasshoppers, then they lose power. And they should be scared of us. It's been said that tyranny is when the people are afraid of the government and that freedom is when the government is afraid of the people. And they're always afraid of us. In reality, even though we're not free, they're always afraid that we're going to become free or rise up and take them out of power. So, so that's what happened there at the Bundy Ranch. And the fact that this spreads over to Oregon is just evidence that this is happening everywhere, that the federal government is uh, way overstepping. Say, I think a lot of people think, they think, oh, it's in Oregon. It was outside of Portland. And actually, no, it was, it was down in southeast, eastern Oregon. Not, I mean, it was out there in the middle of nowhere, actually. We're talking about Maller. And it, it was probably closer to Boise than it was to Portland. Right. Just look at the Wikipedia language on here. On January 2nd, 2016, an armed group of far-right extremists, and Wikipedia even has a link to far-right politics, also referred to as extreme-right or right-wing extremism, (laughs) are politics on the right of the left-right political spectrum than the standard political right, particularly in terms of being anti-communist, authoritarian, ultra-nationalist, and having native... Nativist ideologies and tendencies. You can go read about this. Look, the propaganda is amazing. Far, far right because you want to protect your your ranch. Far right because you want to bring attention to the fact that well, that something t- bad is going that on. That term here. has been is becoming a derogatory term for basically anybody who doesn't go along with the established regime narrative. Well, now they're calling them terrorists, just straight right. up terrorists. Right. That's what they're calling the Canadian truckers. Yeah, and Nazis. Yeah. Well, anyway, getting back to the Maller Refuge, these guys all, they're getting together at a rally and they all decide, because they're rallying for, I think it was a guy named Hammond, mm-hmm. who had, was getting his ranch taken away for having killed a bunch of deer or something like that. And he, they, they, there was, it's not like everybody's perfect in this whole thing. They, the, the BLM had, had engaged in heavy-handed tactics and he had done something wrong and they were either fining him heavily or you can't kill one of the king's deer exactly <laughs> they're they were doing something punitive to him and so the, these folks came out to rally for him and then they decided to go occupy the Maller national wildlife refuge which was deserted yeah at the time it, it reminds me of here in utah there's uh there's a wildlife refuge out west of here about a hundred miles west of here called uh fish Oh, great. Now I, my mind went blank. Let's see if I can find it. Fish something. <laughs> but I've been there, and it's a little building. There's a, a um, caretaker home, and it is in the middle of nowhere. Right. The Wikipedia article here is a wide-angle shot that tries to make this look like maybe the Grand Lodge at Yellowstone. It's probably about 400 square feet, like a post office in the middle of nowhere. Um, if you really look at the photo. It's called Fish Springs. And it's actually pretty cool because it's out in the middle of the desert. And there's these natural wetlands from springs that come out from underneath the mountain there and create these wetlands out in the middle of this arid desert where mm-hmm. you 
have all kinds of uh, ducks and other waterfowl that this in Utah take refuge there near yeah. Dugway. It's far. It's far west, far left of Dugway. Far, really far left off. You're looking on the map. It's like a hundred miles from like I-15. Really, um, on a dirt road. But yeah, called Fish Springs. But it's the kind of the same idea, right? This Maller Refuge is in the middle of nowhere. It's not. Is it a bird habitat? Uh huh. Like waterfowl. Okay. And you can go duck hunting there, but you have to use a special kind of ammo. You know, there's all kinds of regulations you about have to how to use a duck special duck. There. Right. <laughs> but it's kind of cool. But the Maller Refuge is sort of the similar. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's a small building. It's not a, it's, they didn't take over the visitor center. Like you said, they didn't take over Yellowstone Lodge or the visitor center at Zion National Park. They took over an abandoned and building. That was their problem is they should just have camped out when they broke into the building that was a technical felony. And, and, but anyway, they, uh, the, the thing was, I remember now the, the cause of this whole thing. These ranchers that they were protesting for, they had been in prison. They were paying their, they were paying their uh, debt to society and they were about to be released, but some federal leftist federal judge arbitrarily sent them all back to prison. And so they were like, oh, come on, you know, come on. It's right. like one of those moments where you're just like, you want to slap somebody. Far left. Far left. <laughs> yeah. We're talking extreme statist. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about when I say far left. But, you know, you, you called me on it. That's a good point. If, if they're going to call far right. Um, well, the difference, though, is that they don't know the politics of everybody that was involved. Wikipedia says there was a bunch of far right people. I would say there's a, probably a pretty good spectrum. Well, what they, what they want to use the term far right to say that if you're in favor of freedom and liberty, you're evil and you're a terrorist. So they, they're, it's like the, yeah, if you want, if you want to educate your kids, if you if you like to work out, if you're a Christian. Yeah. If you're good at math, you're a far right <laughs> extremist. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> well, anyway, the, th- that's why they were there protesting. They wanted to protest the, uh, the clear, right, cruel, that's something and, that, cruel and unusual punishment. And so people, yeah, people latched on and they came to the refuge and they occupied it. And of course, occupation is what is this bad word now. Yeah, they, they were attempting using to, that. They were attempting to draw attention to the situation and they really did. But then when the news gets a hold of it, then it's like, oh, Far right, far right, terrorist, terrorist. Right. They broke and, and, into the uh, lodge. They're using that word occupation to describe the truckers. As if we all just forget the Occupy Wall Street movement, which was very, very well received in the press. You know, it was right. covered with all, you know, very positively in the press at that time, right? Oh, and let us not forget the mostly peaceful protests of the other BLM. Fiery but peaceful. Right. When you look up the history of BLM, by the way, Google's going to send you to Black Lives Matter, not the Bureau of Land Management. <laughs> right. Um, which is a shame. <laughs> but uh, because which one has more of an effect? Well, I guess historically the BLM has had more effect out here in the West, but perhaps psychologically the other BLM is having a more significant effect right now. Well, anyway, at the Mallor Refuge, it ended when. Um, uh, there was a a group of I think five people took off in a white Dodge truck. Did you happen to get the video I sent you? We can watch that later. 
I'll link to that from, I did, the, yeah, did, from I, the podcast page. They went to go to the ne- the next county up because the pr- the problem they were getting here in the Mallard County was that the local sheriff wasn't willing to stand up, but the guy up no- north was, and so they tried to dr- five people tried to drive up there to get his help, and uh, they were pursued by Oregon State Police and then ambushed, as you rightly say. There was a roadblock set up around a curve. Now that's that's the big issue here is that they were ambushed. <clears throat> by the uh, the FBI on this roadblock uh, before they got about halfway between where they were and where they wanted to go, and Lavoy Finnegan was shot dead. Now, it's kind of gut-wrenching. I do recommend anybody that's interested in reality watch the video that we're going to link here on our, on our website of um, Lavoy Finnegan being shot. It's about 12 minutes, and it shows that the the state police come up behind him and he stops and he talks to him for a while and he says, just shoot me. You know, we're not getting out. We're going to see the sheriff. Why don't you come with us? Let's all go together. We're not going to turn you in. In fact, they, they even, they have this video because there, there are two sets of video. There's, there's helicopter video. And then there's this video from inside the car. And, and the, and the, the helicopter video was Oregon state police. No, right? that was FBI. It was FBI I helicopter. Think. Yeah. The Oregon state police released the, the video from inside the car after the fact. And they're the real heroes here because they didn't want to go down as well, the having, FBI was throwing them under the bus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, the, uh, FBI, their, their helicopter video makes it look like Lavoie is reaching for his gun. Right. But if you watch this video, you'll see that they get shot at the minute they come around the curve. They're shot at in their cars, when and then they encounter the the other roadblock and they have to dive off to the side. You know they're getting they're literally being shot at, and you can hear the the bullets hitting the car. And Lavoie is getting shot at as he gets out of the uh, out of the vehicle, and he has his hands up most of the time. And until, that's it's important because that's why he got out of the vehicle too misdirect fire to him there rather were two than women, the people in the car. Right, there were two women and two other guys, I believe, in that car, if I remember right. Uh, and, he, and by doing so, he probably did save their lives. Otherwise, there'd be six or f- five or six people dead. Yeah, it could, that could be the case. But when you, when you listen to the exchange between him and the Oregon State Police a few minutes earlier, he's like, no, who are you? They, they, they ask, they're like, who are you? You know, because they don't know which branch of government is going to take them and incarcerate them as political prisoners for how long? How long are they going to be incarcerated? They, they didn't, they didn't want to turn themselves into these, uh, these people. So this is the, uh, the problem here is you have federal overlapping state and, and you had Oregon State Police, and then you have the, the county level, which is who they wanted to deal with. They wanted the county sheriff because he's more um, welcoming to their cause, right? And that's, that's the big problem. Who's the last line of defense? This is the big uh, constitutional sheriff's push that you see by guys like Richard Mack, who is a former sheriff out there. He's saying, look, you guys are the, you guys are the real law enforcement authority. You need to act like it. And he's, he's out teaching, teaching uh, sheriffs that they need to behave in such a way that they own the place and that the feds don't, and that, the, that every other law enforcement um, individual or organization in any given situation is accountable to the sheriff, not, who is accountable to the people because he's the elected law enforcement official. So this, there's all these interrelated issues that people don't understand. It's like, oh, we're, we're going to just turn ourselves over to the Oregon State Police? No, we're going to go over to the sheriff because he's going to make the decision as to what happens to us. He's going to protect our rights far better than you are. Well, 
out of the frying pan into the fire. They, they take off, they leave the state police and they run into an FBI roadblock and then they get shot uh, at, by, the, by those people at the roadblock or the ambush. And uh, Finnicum gets out and he's kind of dancing around and, and uh, one of the guys at the roadblock is taking his attention, but then some guy comes out of the, out of the woods and kills him. You know, and, and I think he had already been shot because why else was he putting his hands down? They're saying it was to draw a gun, but he, if he was going to draw a gun, he would have drawn the gun. Yeah, I think, I think if he had intended to shoot back, he would have had the gun in his hand when he got out of the truck or the van. But I guess that's neither here nor there. The, the, that, a that lot of the in, commenters want to say that he, he clearly had a death wish because he's telling him to shoot. He says, go ahead, shoot me. And, and he's, he says, you're going to have blood on your hands if you do. And he's right. Yeah, he, of course he's right. He, yeah. was, he was murdered in cold blood. Yeah. That's my opinion. And a few other people were arrested, but that shooting sort of ended the, the occupation. People went home after that. And, then, mm-hmm. and now history calls them far-right right. extremist terrorists. But here's the thing. Ammon Bundy and the other guys that got thrown in jail, most of them were acquitted by juries. They were. So means they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, the only thing they did wrong was trespass. Right. Where are we seeing that recently? Right, there's your January 6th link. So this is and a situation... I, honestly, I think trespassing is pretty spurious because they were let in. They oh, were yeah. welcomed in. They were, I've seen videos of cops cordially and friendly, friendly... At the, we're talking about the January 6th the protest at the Capitol. I've seen videos of Capitol Police saying, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, come Welcome on in. Welcome to the Capitol today. Come on in. Come on in. And, and if you didn't know the context, you'd think it was just a crowded day at the Capitol with a tourist group. Right. And those, there are people still in prison with, whose constitutional right to a speedy trial has been denied any, there in Washington, D.C. Yeah, any trial. So how does this relate to our Canadian well, this trucker is gone, what we're talking about friends and, and, and maybe today's episode, title of the episode might be beyond politics. I don't know. Maybe it needs to be something about the convoy. But beyond the, meat. The, maybe it's just beyond. <laughs> but this is the point is it's gone. It, it goes beyond politics when when people get pushed to this point where they have to do something like occupy the Maller refuge to shed light on the fact that these Hammond boys were being, um, was it Hammond? I can't that, remember. That sounds right. It's him and his dad, right? Yeah, Hammond. Dwight and Stephen Hammond. The, these boys, or guys, uh, I'm using that in the good old boys type yeah. of a, a way, they were unjustly imprisoned. It's it was just cruel, the good old boys. Cruel and unusual punishment here. Never meaning no harm. <laughs> I used to love that as a kid. One but, day the mountain might get them, but the law never will. <laughs> Making the way the only way they know how. Now we got a link to Dukes of Hazzard. But that's just a little bit more than the law would allow. That <laughs> <laughs> is a, the, you gotta love the Dukes of Hazzard. But that's the point, is the, right. law, the law is not perfect. And once it begins to overreach, then things either f- get fixed by rational people or it goes beyond politics. Well, and that's one of the hallmarks of being in a free society. It's a constitutional right to protest, to gather, to demonstrate. And there's it's, a, a, it's not only that, it's a self-evident right. Remember right. In, that, in that second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, it, we hold these truths to be self-evident. It doesn't just apply to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but also that governments are instituted by men 
with the consent of the governed, and that when they stop protecting those rights, it's your right, no, it is your duty to overthrow it and set up new guards for your security. That is a self-evident, moral, natural, God-given idea and right. And Jeffrey Tucker talks about that in his article that we referred to earlier, but when the, the, the consent of the governed is disappearing. And so what, and he, he poses an interesting question. He says, There's, there can be elect, electoral backlash, and you can use elections to fix these problems, but the elections are a long way away. What happens between today and then? And that okay. is a very, very curious question. Okay, also, but to add to Jeffrey Tucker's comment, remember the January 6th protest was because we, or people out there, believed that the election was not fairly conducted. So what happens when the people believe that their elections are not fairly conducted and that they're... Right. Not, that they're Because democracy is one thing. You can argue that, okay, the rights of the majority superseding the rights of the minority is is immoral and that democracy in and of itself is not good but what happens when this democracy perceives that it's not being that the the, the, the democracy's not being pers- well, that's, uh, protected that's or, or where respected things can start to spiral out of control and I, let's remember that the legitimacy of the election did not that did not start with 2020 and Trump and the stop the steal crowd. Between 2016 and 2019, most Democrats, including very prominent Democrats in Congress, said that Trump did not actually win the election, that it was an illegitimate election and that it needed to be investigated. Mm-hmm. So we've, we're getting to this point where ne- ne- the losing side mm-hmm. will never accept the outcome yeah, the of pro- an election. The problem are that this is that the stakes are so high now. If the government was small, like back in the days of Tyler and Garfield right. or whoever, these, these presidents we don't even remember, nobody would care. It's like, right. oh, you're administering a, a small thing and it's okay that you're corrupt because it doesn't really matter too much. Right. But now the stakes are massive because they take all your money and well, use it against well, everything you. Everything we do is, is Everything's contingent regulated. on yeah. their permission. And people complain about money and politics, right? Well, the best way to get money out of politics is to take power out of politics because people are buying power. Right. And if you took that power away, then no one would spend bajillions of dollars mm-hmm. trying to lobby their little uh, puppets right. on Capitol so, Hill. So how do you take power away? That's the problem is once they get power, it doesn't, doesn't go away until it burns out. Well, there's, Or maybe Jeffrey Tucker will, in his article, will guilt these people into resigning. <laughs> I mean, no, nobody's going to resign. They I know, that's, that's what I'm right, saying. They it's would like, have done so Nobody's already. even going to read it. And so his, his question is very interesting. They what need to happens? commit ritual suicide like the disgraced Japanese generals. I mean, come on. And in the case of the truckers in Ottawa, I think my worry is that there's going to be, there's going to be tanks rolled into the street and these people are going to be blasted with high caliber... I, I don't put it past Justin Trudeau to bomb his own city. I mean, maybe that's too extreme, but I don't. I think shots are going to be fired from the cops and the troops and the government at these people because they're they're not leaving. They're not leaving, right? And so, how do you get them out of there? There's two ways. You can. You well, they're can, trying to starve them out, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're stealing. They're stolen, stealing their fuel. They're stealing their food. They've stolen their money. Well, they stole their money. They, they, there was $10 million raised on a GoFundMe campaign that GoFundMe. Now, GoFundMe said they're refunding 
without the request. First, they said you can have a refund with if this you ask. paperwork. Now they're just saying refunds are automatic because they got called out. Well, yeah, time. because they said they were going to give the money to charities of their choice. Yeah, they were going to, which just, would be like Black Lives which Matter, which is just literally stealing. <laughs> but yeah, they're stealing their pro- their propane, which they're using to heat and cook. Remember, this is January and February in Ottawa. It's cold. Right? I, that's what's crazy about this is the Canadians are out in the middle of winter because they're pissed off. Right. And there's a lot of them, a whole lot more. Like some of the video, some of the video, I'm going to link to as many links as I can find on this when we put together the podcast page. But some of the video, it, it, you, you're, you're just sitting there listening to the truckers honking their horns and it's just nonstop. Yeah, the honk and, honk has become kind of the rallying cry. And, and, and that's one of the reasons that the citizens or the residents of Ottawa are so upset is because their their little bureaucratic panacea uh, paradise has uh, been obst- yeah, they, uh, intruded they're being, upon. They're being kept up at night. Right. It's funny that a- AOC, uh, Andrea Ocasio Cortez, whatever her name is. The C stands for corrupt. That's <laughs> she just... famously tweeted during the BLM riots and protests that protests are supposed to make people uncomfortable. And now she's having to eat those words because people are using those, that same tweet in response to all the people saying, but I'm not sleeping at night because of the horns. You reap what you sow. Yeah. Well, the, what, one of the best places for news on this is rebelnews.com. Rebelnews.com. And there's a, they have a whole section on the convoy reports. Um, we're going to link to this on the website. But, uh, but, but going back, there's, there's maybe two, two, maybe three ways to get them out of there. One of them is, like you said, they're trying to starve them out, kind of siege warfare style. I don't think that's going to work. They have tried to criminalize helping these people. Right, bringing in yeah. food, heat, I think, water. I think you're kind of getting ahead of yourself, though, because we got to emphasize the size of this thing. It's big. It's big. This is big. This is the but problem: is it's being underreported, or not? The, the, or sorry, the, not reported. The second way to get them out of there is to capitulate, is to meet their demands, and to lift these mandates. Okay, that's unlikely because of the pride and arrogance of the people in instituting the them. Primarily, Trudeau. Trudeau is an incredibly arrogant person. He's incredibly weak as well. He's literally hiding. The third way to get him out of there is to shoot him, is to open fire on him. And you wouldn't have to kill, you wouldn't have to kill the whole convoy. You don't have to shoot the whole convoy. You can just, the guy's right up in there in the downtown, right around parliament or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you execute a few of them, everyone's probably going to go home or or, and we've talked a lot about this, or you're going to start a shooting war and give them all the excuses to, need to use all of their superior firepower, right? And literally bomb their own city. Well, it looks, it looks like um, they're going to go for more of the soft approach here. Right now, the, for now. the headline, well, for now, yeah, it depends on how much the Canadians push back, right? For now, the Freedom Convoy... Uh, crackdown is in process according to fox news so fox Fox news has had a blackout on the subject until today well they've mentioned it a couple of times the other websites have had blackouts on it or they're they're covering it in the sense of framing it as a insurrection see look what happens when when you do this is you get cracked down on so so their uh their headline is police make arrests threaten charges for people bringing fuel to truckers protesting the vax mandates 
Freedom Convoy anti-vaccine mandate protests have sparked activism throughout the world. Ottawa mayor declares state of emergency as police threaten arrests for bringing gas to the Freedom Convoy. There, so finally, the, Fox News is finally, they, they could have been talking about this all week, but finally here they, they're saying something about it. And the, the, the tipping point here was yesterday when the Ottawa mayor or city council declared a state of emergency. And that's why they have to have these state of emergency powers because emergency powers allow them to do whatever they yeah, want. And that's why, that's why I think they're going to resort to violence. They're going to say we were under a state of emergency. We were being occupied by an invading force. Terrorists. They're, they're going to use all the wartime language and, uh, and the press will cheer it on. Just like they cheered on the shooting of Lavoie Finicum and Waco and Ruby Ridge and, you know, take your pick. Well, we're seeing this, we're seeing this happen real time. So we can totally speculate on where, where it ends up going. I just don't see another outcome because I don't see somebody like Trudeau uh, humbling himself enough to say, I will now grant you your freedom back. He's too deep into this. He's come out and said they, this is a fringe minority that holds unacceptable views. Who gets to decide what views are acceptable or not? Well, he does. He called them racists and misogynists and white supremacists. Yeah, just a real quick check of some of the other websites. Even right now, even though Fox is reporting on it big time, MSNBC, CNN, NBC News, none of them are reporting on it on their, on their home pages, you know. If it's on like page nine, it's not being reported on, right? right. So if it should be top headline right now. That's this, it's this, kind of the this, big thing that's going on. Quite frankly, I think this is this this event is the crux of the next twenty years. This the way that the outcome of this could determine the direction of the entire world, at least Western democracies, for the rest of our lives, if not the next generation. Because if it's cracked down and they shoot everybody, it's over. And totalitarianism is just going to spill out of this. Throughout. Well, I don't think so. I think if they shoot everybody, they're going to make a bunch of martyrs. And that their, their citizens are going to rise up. Yeah, but that's what they want. Because as soon as someone rises up, they have an excuse to shoot them down. We've talked about that, right? Trying to get us into a shooting war. They want, they want these far right, I'm using quotes again, uh-huh. they want all of us gun owners. To shoot, they wanted they wanted Clive and Bundy's ranchers to open fire. They dying for that because then that gives them an excuse to just to shoot back to to massacre them. I mean, look what happened at Waco. They Waco never even fired a shot, but because they were disobedient for so long, and it wasn't working, right? They burned the place. They finally down, just they yeah. finally just massacred them. The trucker convoy is like a big Waco. And they're just waiting. They're just waiting. And the patience of these violent bureaucrats is going to run out. And they've got all their toys and their drones and their tanks and their night vision snipers. All they're, they're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And their patience is going to run out. And finally, they're just going to start See, I don't massacring know if, them. I don't know if I agree with that. I think I feel like the... Uh, I'm not saying... I, want, I don't want that to happen. I think that they're likely to play it out like they played out the January 6th thing. Like they're going to put the main agitators in jail, issue punitive, uh, excessive fines to a ton of people, 
and let it fester because they they I think they have that's one thing the oligarchy has is massive amounts of patience. They're they're they wait decades to yeah the oligarchy does, but these oh the mid level okay the little globalist mid-le- leaders the, the the young global the, well yeah these mid level these mid level idiots who run the local law enforcements and special units and all this they don't and. The difference, though, between this and January 6th is at the end of the day, everyone at the Capitol went home. They didn't occupy the Capitol. They went home when it was done. Right. And they still, someone on January 6th, they still shot and killed somebody on January 6th. We can't forget that. That's true. That's true. Well, it does remain to be seen what's going to happen here, for sure. So you think that since they're not going home, they're going to bring out the the guns? Uh, Kent State. How else do you get them out of there? Right. When the you, other option is if to you say, call the if you the call the tow truck companies and the tow truck companies all have COVID, how do you get them out of well, there? The tow right? truck companies are probably people who they're are, joining the convoy. Who are sympathetic. Yeah. A lot of the police officers are sympathetic. The farmers were joining the convoy out by Coots uh, on the Montana Alberta border, and that's still right. going on too. By the way. Right. I've crossed that border before. Well, that's blocked right now, apparently. (laughs) Well, I can't get into Canada anyway. Yeah, you're not vaccinated. I'm an unclean heathen. Yeah. Maybe I'm simplifying this too much, but it seems to me that a way to make this all go away is for Justin Trudeau, the probable son of Fidel Castro. (laughs) You like that one? I got a a new article to show you on that. Okay. Because let's remember, the Trudeaus were notorious swingers. And Pierre Trudeau, was pretty old when Justin Trudeau was born. Okay. And it's his only child. Okay. Margaret Trudeau was a, was, I can't think of a nice word. For her. <laughs> she, she slept with everybody and they loved Castro. Okay. Anyway, there's a pretty good article. I'll send you okay. That. We got to get the kid at Castro. Plus the, Trudeau. the physical resemblance is uncanny, but Justin Trudeau could stand up right now today in his hiding, in his hidey hole. He could go out. He could, stay, he could go back to Ottawa, back to his Oval Office, you know, whatever they call it, and he could release a statement saying, I am immediately lifting all vaccine mandates, all vaccine passport requirements, all discrimination and segregation based on vaccination status. Yeah, because they did it all via executive order anyway, right? Right. He could encourage all the, the premiers, the provincial premiers, the governors to do the same. He could recognize the value of freedom and liberty. He could even thank the people and say, you've brought this to our attention. You've done it peacefully. You've done it mostly, home, we'll, mostly lawfully. All he'd have to say is, we'll talk about it. All he'd have to say is, okay, we'll talk about it. Not even, I don't think so, though. Because they're, 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 they're the time that. for talk, I think, is done. But all, what he, and, and people say, oh, so he just rolls over to these extremists. Yeah. They're not extremists. They're fighting for the most basic human rights. Out well, they there. represent probably. They're not asking for more money. They're not asking for some union demands. They're simply asking to not be discriminated against in society based on some arbitrary medical treatment. Well, and, they, and therefore, any arbitrary means. They, they're fighting against. Look, pick any other cause, and this would be if you pick a, a, a sympathetic left wing cause. This would be covered 
365 as the greatest protest in the history of mankind. If this was for workers' rights or, yeah. or you know, union wages or something. Well, they, they, uh, it, it is a little bit like Hunger Games here because they're in the capital. They're, we got to realize there is a, diff, a different dynamic, a different see, demographic. They didn't just show up one day. They drove all the way from Vancouver, which is right. a long way from Ottawa. They drove across the country. And like Forrest Gump, they picked up people along the people way, along the way sympathizers and, and people going into this. Trudeau could have said, okay, let's talk. It was pretty obvious weeks ago that they were coming to Ottawa and they were going to park their cars and their trucks right there. Mm-hmm. And that this was what's going on now was going to happen. He could have said, I want to meet you guys halfway, you know, literally figuratively. Saskatchewan, let's, let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> let's have a discussion. Send your, to send your reps. We'll send mine. In fact, you can meet with me personally. Come to my office. Let's, let's hash this out. But he didn't do that. He hid and he called them extremists. By the way, how, often, how many decades now have we been hearing from communist workers of the world unite? <laughs> no, 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 not like that, though. No, not like that. Not you. Not you, not the real workers. <laughs> you, you're supposed to unite in favor of communist causes, not, not individual liberty. Well, I, th- I think they represent <clears throat> uh, you know, a significant majority in Canada and it is a lot like the Hunger Games show where they're in, the, in this hostile capital setting, which makes this even more explosive. Yeah, it makes it an heart explosive of, situation. They're, they're in the, the belly of the beast right now. And, I, and I'm wondering if you really wanted to affect change, that, that Coots protest is a pretty good example of how to do that. Or maybe they could have gone just and occupied downtown Alberta or found the, the premier. Well, they went, they went the, to the, the provincial of, province. They went to the head of the area. snake. They went to the head of the snake. Well, and yeah, the, but that's... Those trucks aren't just people, you know, those trucks are all trucks that could be out delivering goods. That's tough to do a peaceful protest that way because so see, far see what they're... It. Well, yeah, but now they're, now they're cutting their supply lines. But apparently they have a massive supply line because the police are saying, we're going to arrest you. And they're trying it, to arrest people well, bringing pe- food and fuel people, in. People have been helping people from the United States, other Canadians. That's why I, that's why I think that they're the government of Canada and maybe even some sort of like UN force or NATO or something. Right. So Canada can, can, uh, it's hard to get all responsibility. There's going to, I just, I think guns are inevitable at this point, but it's, it's hard to get a feeling for how big this is, how, because uh, it, it's underreported and there's people it's on huge. the fringes. I've seen some how of the many drone thousands footage? of people at one point. The convoy was a hundred kilometers long. That's like sixty. So it's a lot miles. of trucks, but people have been flocking to the area, right? right? Is it what? Is it ten thousand people? How many people do you think are still there? Uh, was it was it a hundred thousand at the max? There's still a lot of people there, and Thousands. I think it ebbs and flows because people will, will go home during the week to work, and then they come back for the weekends. But there's a core constituency there that is not moving, and they're they're causing the big problem, causing some problems. That's the whole point. It's the cause exactly. of problems. And so far they've done that without violence. Well, yeah. The violence will be count, perpetrated by the state. Unless you count honking as violence. I thought silence well, was a, violence. You had a but now honking <laughs> is violence. You had a situation where there was a, a statist crazy anarchist guy that came and ran over a bunch of them with a, a white SUV mm-hmm. that was uh, not 
very well reported. And then you, there, I saw a video of um, some guy who tried to get in front of a truck and the truck stopped and then he fell down and acted like he got hit by the truck. Did you see that one? No, I that did was... see one guy screaming, I can't sleep. <laughs> F you all, I can't sleep. It's like, again, you reap what you sow. You, you live in Ottawa. You live in the heart of darkness. <laughs> you know? Okay, you can't sleep. First of all, I think that's I don't I think that's exaggerated. You can put earplugs in, you can turn music on. But I'm not also denying that it's not disruptive. That's the point. That's the point. AOC was right that protests are supposed to make people in power. She didn't say that. I'm adding in power or in control uncomfortable. That's the whole point. Well, how well, much Re longer do we want to go on? Re Re I would encourage everybody to go visit rebelnews.com and check out their convoy reports if you want to find out more about this. The, I think we've adequately covered the broader picture here, which is, I think, what our goal is. Like, look at how this relates. This is metaphorically and literally where the rubber meets the road, you know, the, and an intentional and pun That's why here. I think it's so important. This is going to set the tone, how this is resolved. Is going to set the tone for maybe a, a generation. Well, we're getting to the point where people are willing to be incarcerated. They're willing to get fined. They're willing to have their good names smeared because it has gone beyond politics. It, now we're to the protest phase, the civil disobedience phase. And the question is, do we see the fireworks from the state? Or does the state finally acknowledge that, they're, that they... Uh, that they're wrong are wrong and yeah. that they're immoral and that they're evil and that's the that's the question is whether or not the oligarchy really wants that civil war or not and yeah. remember one of the big stories over one of the big stories again over the weekend was ukraine 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 russia's going to invade right. russia's going to invade invade any they time definitely 50, want 50, a war Fifty thousand casualties he had the false headline that was it bloomberg that put out that announced the, that they Russia announced the had invasion, invaded, yeah. and then they were like, "Well, we have lots of headlines prepared." <laughs> what? Okay, but you posted it. Well, they want to. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure they really want that civil war as badly as they want an international war because I think they want what they want is control of your mind, and they want you to support their system. And so, in order for you to do that, you need to buy into their stuff. Well, that's why the trucker convoy is the perfect thing that they could obliterate and say. See what happens. See what happens when you disobey us. It wouldn't. It, yeah, but I don't know that that will have the desired effect. Is is the desired effect that cause people to rise up? Because if they obliterate the trucker convoy, I who's going to rise up next? Because once Alberta, those, once those guns are fired, once those guns are fired, a lot of people are going to sit down and say, "All right." I mean, the people. Look at the Maller Refuge. When those guns were fired, the people went home. But that's when people have less to lose, right? Or more to lose, excuse me. Like that was back when there was no coronavirus problem. There were, there right. were more jobs. The, the economy the, seemed more free. But they got the job done. I'm not calling the people who went home cowardly or anything like that. But the feds... Well, did they get the job done? I mean... Yeah, the feds got the job done. They sent everybody home. That's what they wanted. That's they all they wanted. They sent the message. They sent the message. There's a phrase going around right now. I'm not going to say the real thing because it's 
it's beyond the ratings of our audience, our, our podcast here, but basically it's fool around and find out. Oh yeah. And right now, you know, you, it, basically it's a, it's a clever kind of mean way of saying you get what you deserve. People have said that about Ashley Babbitt, right? She got what she deserved. Well, the, yeah, that's, a, that's what people will say when you challenge the police is you F around and find out. Right. But that's the problem. That's the flippant way that they will t- dismiss a massacre of these truckers. Well, they fooled around and they found out. Well, there's a lot to think about here. Jeffrey Tucker in that same article says, you know, we've seen revolutions in communist regimes. We've seen it in banana republics. We've seen it, you know, in socialist republics. We've, where we've not seen it is in a modern Western democracy. And so he, he asked some very interesting questions, <laughs> mainly what happens next? And I think that's a very, very important question because what happens next could determine what happens for the entire generation. We could be, we could be staring at a generation of, of Soviet-style rations and tyranny. Look at what GoFundMe did. Okay, GoFundMe said, yeah, we're going to repurpose these funds. Thank you very much. Now imagine GoFundMe is a federal bank, a state bank, doing that with your money or the federal government with your GovCoin saying, oh, we, we, have, a, we have some intelligence that you gave a sandwich to a trucker at the convoy. You uh, don't get your next paycheck. You don't get your next allotment of coins. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be very easy in this digital currency world, which they're tr- also trying to push on us, to control us that way. So I think this this is it. There's okay. so much going on in yeah. this little this and this, that's the, this little that's teapot. the question. It looks to me like the Canadians are more uh, at least a lot of the Canadians, and it only takes a it only takes a what a ten percent of the country getting getting upset like those truckers. To, to create the type of change that would be helpful for freedom. But they, uh, the question is, are they going to sit down and shut up, or do you have enough people like Lavoie Finnicum out there who says, go ahead and shoot me. Go ahead, shoot me. Get it over with. You'll have blood on your hands. And they're willing to go through it because I think that's the problem with the West the West, Western Canada, Western United States, is you have enough people that are that stubborn that they're just going to say, go ahead and shoot me. And I think that's why the, the COVID restrictions out here have not been as bad. It's because like, well, we're just, <clears throat> excuse me, we're just not going to stand for that. You're, you're going to have to kill us. And, and so they can only kill so many of those people before <laughs> their neighbors who have guns say enough is enough. You, you know, we don't do that out here. I think that that's what you saw with sort of in, in, in a little bit of a microcosm, what happened with the Utah legislature and the governor and the epidemiologist overreach, you know, the, where they limited the number of people we could have in our homes. Yeah. They started going totalitarian and then the legislature came out and said, Oh no, we're not doing that. We're willing to go a little bit, but not that far. Right. And, and and the problem, the big problem is the, the people that back up that legislature are even more, stubborn right for lack of a better word well so that's the question is where are we really at yeah what happens next yeah i think those canadian truckers on the alberta montana border are evidence that hey we're we're (laughs) 
Right. That's we're pissed separate, off enough. That's a separate group than the ones in Ottawa. I think it gets lumped in and people think it's the same thing. Yeah, but we're pissed off enough that we're going to sit here and then they're, they're getting joined by farmers and the tow truck companies and everybody's in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. That's the thing it's right cold there. up there. This is, this is a big deal. Well, I think it's time for us to uh, wrap up for the day. Okay, fine. Okay. I, I'm, a, I'm a little, I feel like a little bit at a loss for words. Like I'm stumbling over the, the concepts here because well, it's, it's really, it, this is really, really dynamite. It is. And it, and it hits on I the core I, issues of society and freedom and uh, interplay between governments and citizens and the people and tyranny. I mean, a, it hits a lot, everything. There's a lot going on here. And, and the potential for disaster is very, very high. I think I sent you an email a week or so ago saying, is this like, is this where the sparks are going to fly yeah, or something like that? Because it's, I kind of thought they were set. just going to, I kind of thought they were just going to go home after a day or two, but I, I appreciate the gravity of it and how you're, you know, how you're framing it and these potential outcomes, because you're absolutely right. They're still there and they're not willing to leave until their right. and grievances they, they, are addressed. If they do go home, then Trudeau says, we won. He, Good riddance. You know, I'm, I'm, rubbing my hands together like I'm mm-hmm. finishing up satisfied satisfied he's gonna say yep you jerks you did that all for nothing and then they'll go pro- prosecute everybody and, that they've and got then, on videotape and then, yep and then they will make they will ruin their lives and see this was the problem with the capital protest they only stayed for one day maybe right. the Amer- maybe the Canadians have more uh, spine than the Americans here well the Americans still have all the guns it's gonna be very interesting okay All right. Thanks, everybody. We will let you go and we will be back next week for another episode. Please like, comment, subscribe. We are on Spotify. The CEO has released a letter saying he will not silence the Mind Virus podcast. (laughs) It was big news. (laughs) (laughs) You probably read about it. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise, uh, yeah. Thanks again, everybody. Everybody have a good week.